I call this meeting to order. Ms. Brown, if we could look at the uh, CIP amendments, I believe. Is that where we are? Yes, we just need to read the evacuation. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. The evacuation announcement here. Uh, let's do that first. <laughs> Thank you. The evacuation announcement goes as follows. Upon activation of the emergency alarm signal, all persons should immediately exit the building. Please use the exits to the left or right front of the council chambers or the east or west stairwell outside the rear doors of the chamber. Do not use elevators or escalators. After exiting the building, proceed to the assembly area located in the parking lot bordered by Clay, 8th and 9th Streets. Citizens and employees should assist visually in hearing impaired visitors with exiting the building. Adhering to council's rules of procedure, everyone in attendance should be seated at this time. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Uh, now, Ms. Brown, CIP. Yes. Um, so after the last uh, session on Monday, uh, currently the CIP is still out of balance, um, but there are some reductions that council made previously um, or requested to be revisited. So we're going to revisit those items first and then continue on to try and balance council's amendments. So the first item that we uh, said that we would go back to is item number 18, which was a reduction to the government road slope repair uh, from the Gaston account of 350000 uh, It was originally proposed to then increase the budget by 350 for the High Street Park stabilization. Um, the responses we received from the administration is that the Holly Street Park stabilization can be done with internal resources and the reduction to the government road slope repair would not be needed. Um, and so I need to get a consensus from council if they still want to make this reduction as well as an increase or um, to eliminate those two amendments. Okay, what is the pleasure of the body here? Just a question. Okay, yes, uh, Vice President Newbill. Uh, Ms. Brown, you indicated, I just want to be clear that I heard correctly, that staff felt that they, that staff have indicated that um, they can accomplish this within existing resource. Is that what you just said? That's my, that's my understanding from okay. the response that we received. Thank you. And I'm sorry, which two items are, are we referencing? Number? The reduction is number 18, but that had a correlating increase of, uh, from item number 16. So it would either be to keep these as is or to eliminate both the reduction and the increase. It would be a wash. So, with the the increase for the Holly Street stabilization, mm -hmm. um, you said that uh, the administration indicated they have <coughs> funds available that they can fix that within some sort of general pot of money. That's my understanding from the response. Okay. So, if if that's the case, I mean, can we get more details? Because what I heard from Councilmember Agilesto is it's been this way for 
a long time and it hasn't been fixed and I assume it's been reported. So I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I believe you brought it forward because you've been waiting eight years or something to get, I, I don't know how long it's been crumbling, but a long time for it to get fixed. So I would think you put it here because you felt like it needed to be pulled out, but if it can be fixed and it's in some sort of queue right now, then I think I, I'm fine with it, but I think a timeline and more specifics would be good to have before we take it out of our capital projects. Is that accurate? Um, yes, Mr. Angelo, so Thank you, Council President. Um, if we could get some written assurances uh, that we can rely on, I, I'm fine with the proposed change. Um, I, I talked to Mr. Stidell earlier. Um, when they did the site visit, I was not able to walk it, so um, Amy Robbins was, was walking it with staff. Um, <clears throat> but it appears that there are things that need to be addressed with storm drop inlets. Um, and then some other things. Um, but if this can be addressed and, and the staff are willing to put something in writing that says kind of what the scope of work is and that they've got the resources, then, uh, then I'm satisfied with uh, doing the reduction. All right, and where does that leave us here? We're I, I'm sorry, assuming Mr. That Stidell then, wanted to say something, and then Ms. Brown's. Ms. Mr. President, um, yes. The, the area was, was uh, investigated by one of our contract engineers. There's nothing crumbling. There's nothing failing. There is some maintenance that needs to be done in the area. We, we will do that, and we can probably get it done this fiscal year. It's, these are maintenance items. There's probably a, a much larger discussion that has to happen. The neighborhood wants a greenway in, in Cherry Street. The the the, uh, the um, playground that's in the area. We might want to look at how we want to make sure that the playground is is fenced from that greenway. There's a lot of good things we can do in that area for the neighborhood, but the specific pro project with the wall can simply be done with uh, our staff and available res maintenance resources, and we'll get that done as quickly as we can. Excuse me, could you please state your name for the record? Bob, Bob Steidel, DCO of Operations. And I think that that was in the written response that was provided to you last week. It wasn't that detailed, but it was in the written response that was provided to you last week. Okay. Uh, does anyone have any questions of Mr. Steidel? Okay. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Okay, so we will remove this item. Um, the next item is item number 21. Yes. Um, did anyone object to that, removing that item? No? Okay. The, the next item is item number 21. Uh, this was originally uh, 
requested by council to come back to. It was recommended to reduce this project by $652,589. During the discussion, the administration indicated that they wanted to use $495,000 of this balance for the police academy. Um, In the written responses, uh, council had asked for the budget as well as the engineer reports, which is included in the responses you received, and so we need to determine whether council wants to keep this at the full 652000 or to reduce this by 495 for the police academy. Okay, does anyone have a thought on that one? Yes. Yes, Vice President Newbill. I, I would uh, recommend that we would keep retain those funds necessary to uh, deal with the uh, challenges in the uh, police academy. They're pretty severe. We're talking about safety, health, and well-being. So the 495 uh, minimally to remain there. Again, it's uh, I think staff provided uh, pictures of those and. Um, we're talking about a building that's inhabited by our public safety professionals and um, needing to make sure that it is a safe environment. I'm sorry, my voice is doing something, so I'll work on that. Just, let's see, Vice President, I'm sorry, Ms. Larson. So last time we left here, I think we ended with we needed a certain amount of capital funding to close the gap that we had after we added things in, went back to the administration. The administration sent us a memo saying they've already done their budget and we needed to work this out on our own. So the police academy thing, you know, I read the report, I saw the pictures, the whole thing, but that was not in the original budget we got. And I've said this a couple times. I think they need to reprioritize their projects if that is a priority. It was not in the original budget we got. We need to work with the information that we have, and I think we need to move forward with this cut. Uh, Yes, Ms. Gray. And then, uh, okay, Ms. Gray. I just want to express a concern around the timeliness of um, when this structural issue was discovered and when the um, issue was brought to city council because it appears that all these emergencies are brought forward during budget deliberations and not during the time that they're discovered. So that presents a real concern for me. Um, if if this was known when the administration was putting the budget together for capital projects, why wasn't it included in those projects? Okay, any other comment well, on that? I mean, one? I would like an... I'm sorry? I would like at some point to understand why it wasn't included in the budget that was presented. Okay. Mr. Brown. Good morning. Jay Brown, Director of Budget and Strategic Planning. Um, 
Councilwoman Gray, if I may, um, this particular issue came up before the mayor presented his proposed budget. And as a result, um, recommendations were made to find funds that were available to address this critical issue at that facility. So, so I'm sorry here. I'm not sure that I understand that completely myself, so Ms. Gray. So if it was before the budget was put together, why wasn't it included in the budget proposal? Because the budget proposal reflects um, the recommendations for anything that wasn't already pre-authorized. I don't understand. So, I'm sorry, maybe I wasn't clear, Councilwoman Gray. So the proposed budget reflects all of the recommendations by the mayor. This particular issue occurred and we were made aware prior to the submission of the proposed budget to city council. Because of the critical nature, a recommendation was made to transfer funds from a completed project so that this issue could be addressed. And so it's not in the recommendations because for the proposed budget because it was already addressed prior to the submission of the budget to the city council. So this particular item, the use of um, unspent funds from a project that was completed was already captured? Yes. And do we know when? Uh, I believe we indicated, I think the question came up uh, several weeks ago, and we indicated um, in a report, if I'm not mistaken, Ms. Brown, that this transfer had taken place because the question was asked to us, I believe, the end of February. And we should have supplied that if I'm... So the funds right. have already been certified, transferred, yes. and contracts are pending? Well, the, the funds have already been transferred so that the work can, be, can begin to take place to address that critical issue there. All right. And is there anything being done to address the fact that there seems to be an issue with water accumulation? This takes years. The building is only 20 years old. So, so um, what, what is going to be done to prevent us spending another half a million to replace those beams in another 20 years? Because apparently someone wasn't paying attention to the water that was accumulate. I mean, it takes a lot to corrode an I-beam out. Sure. In a 20-year period, it's a lot of water. The conditions are... Sure. We have uh, Mr. Bob Stidell, who I believe can address that. The uh, uh, Bob Stidell, DCO Operations. The, the porch that's on the back end of the police academy was built with, with planters on top of them. Um, there's There's... There's gaps, there's, there's seams all the way through the construction, including those on the back side, on the back side of the planter, which nobody sees. The, the, the seals get, get caulked, they get sealed, but um, sometimes the building moves. Sometimes we have an earthquake and the building moves. The seal was broken. Water got behind the planter between the, the porch that was built there and the structural wall of the academy. Water seeped down there over a period of time. This is not an area where people go down and do routine inspections. Um, should, should it have been caught faster, we'd like to catch it today. It happens. But um, uh, it's gotten to the point now where we have an engineer's recommendation that we do need to do a, an appropriate repair with, with time. But again, when you butt up a planter against the building, you don't see what's going behind it. I, I think our 
we've changed a lot of our design to make sure we have space to do inspection on the physical surface of a lot of our facilities where before we were, we were hiding things up. So it, it's, um, it's happened at the police academy. It's happened in other buildings in the, in the city. And uh, we know this is now something for us to pay attention to. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So is it? I'm sorry, Ms. Reed, you had something to add? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, thank you, Lenore Reed, DCAO Finance and Administration. And just to put things a little bit in uh, perspective for us, we, as the administration, uh, through the mayor, continue to look for ways in which we do not have to incur new debt if we don't have to and utilize uh, available funding that can be reappropriated from one project to another project once that project is closed. And that's a cost-saving measure, we believe, for the city. And so whereas uh, certain things did come up right before the budget was presented to council, they were always in the works to continue to identify project closings and to utilize those funds first before we go to issue new debt because of our uh, tight debt capacity limits. Okay, so are we, um, it's my understanding that 157 is still in the account or was that taken as well? No, it wasn't. From my understanding, uh, 157 and some change is still in that account. Okay. All right. I have a recommendation to keep the cut of 157. Yes, uh, Mr. Jones and then Vice President Newbill. I, I, I promise I will make this statement the same time of year. Either we are going to be willing to reappropriate funds or we're not. There will be rationale for every move the administration makes. It's good government. It's good business. And we're going to have to decide whether or not we're going to override it and just move forward based upon their response back to us in writing or within the council chambers, Mr. President. And if we're not going to, if we're not going to reallocate funds, then we should just accept the budget as it stands, because we're going to we're going to go through. 8, 12, 24-hour process to find a million dollars. And that is not a good use of our time. Just isn't. Because in the scheme of a budget the size of this city, a million dollars is no money. And so to my colleagues, either we're just going to take the mayor's budget as is, or our staff has identified monies. And either we're going to take those monies and reappropriate them or we're going to allow the administration to do what they've done, to move them, to utilize them, to find out where the best place for those dollars are. Because, Mr. President, this is my second budget, and it's playing out the same way the first one did. 
and I don't want to be here to find a million dollars. It's not worth our time. Either we're willing to make some basic decisions across district lines to do projects that we want done and that we feel need to be done for the sake of our constituents, or we just need to allow the mayor's budget to be approved as is. And that's all I have to say, sir. Thank you, Mr. Jones. Uh, Vice President Newbill. Um, I appreciate my colleague's comment, and I certainly think our process bears review and refinement uh, for the next budget. However, this item, again, speaks to health and safety and to knowingly, um, to knowingly not or knowingly allow uh, our staff in this situation to have safety as a, uh, a concern, I think, is um, not responsible for us as an action. So here again, I'm looking at safety, health, and well-being of our staff in a facility that we use routinely, and especially preparation of folks for um, coming on board as uh, police officers or, or a training academy. Folks are in there on a daily basis, and I, uh, I hear you, but this is an instance that I think warrants our um, support to ensure that the environment is safe. Ms. Larson. Um, I'm comfortable moving through forward with this cut. The entire amount, even though the yep. funds have been shifted to another yes. project. Yes, I'm a yes for the entire amount, or if we can't get consensus on that, then the partial amount. Okay. Right, any further comments? Let me, um, I think it would in, be inappropriate here for me to delay uh, reading a letter that I was submitted from the mayor before we take our our vote. I don't want to delay that and then read this letter. Mr. President, yes. can you please speak into mic so everybody else can hear you? Thank you. Thank you. All right, here we go. Mr. We do have an item on the table. I just want everyone to hear this letter before we have a consensus on it. May I ask, yes. may I ask a question just for some clarification for what we're doing this morning? Um, it was my understanding when we left the last meeting on Monday, of course, that was a challenging day for me, so I may be all wrong, um, that we had set some priorities for CIP and we had asked two things, um, but one of those two things was for our staff to recommend um, some um, reductions to balance, to help us balance our CIP. So I'm, I want to make sure that what we're going through now with these line items this morning are the recommendations that the staff is making to us to balance our CIP. Is that correct? And if that is it, correct, yes. I guess what I'm looking for is what's the dollar amount balance that we need and what are those specific amendments that staff is recommending to us to balance out. Yes. The item that we are currently discussing 
council staff recommended taking this the full 652 um, and then the next two items are items that council previously said they wanted to go back to so as even though these are still recommendations these amounts may have to change um, but to help balance council staff had gone back uh, Tuesday and Wednesday and tried to identify um, potential or more possible recommendations and those items are listed here and are highlighted lightly in blue and so right now with everything current there's 700 we've cut more than we've put in so what do you mean by we cut more than we put in? Right now, we've re with all we with of everything balance, with all of the recommendations that are being proposed. Totals what and does that balance the budget, or we're still out of balance by what dollar amount? We would be balanced because we would have reduced the budget more than we increased if everything was to stay on the board as and is. We've, we've reduced it by more than what more than what you guys had increased. I'm asking for the amount. I can't see the amount at the right, end of the Right year. now, all the reductions total a little over $4 million, and council right now has increased by 3.4. Okay, so we've actually, with the recommendations, we have more cuts than what is necessary to balance the budget. By 700? Right now, as the numbers stand, by 700 okay. and 78. All right, 700,000. So. I understand. I understand. I'm just trying to make sure that I'm following this. The, so the total cuts you said were 3 million and, I mean, 4 million and that are before us a recommendation right now, 4 million. Correct. With everything that's on the board currently, it's a little over four million dollars. But we only need three. Uh, correct. Three point four, or almost three point five. Um, so, um, and I appreciate uh, Councilman um, Jones' um, comments. Trust me, thirteen, fourteen—I don't know how many years of going through the same process is always extremely painful. And I, I think that we do it with due diligence because we really want to make the right decisions and sometimes that's pretty difficult to make. Um, but I, I'm wondering if there are um, other revenue sources that we've identified that we could maybe cut through some of the chase of going through each one of the amendments and take that as a block of potential funds. Um, Dr. Newbill? Yeah, uh, and Megan, if you would um, share our discussion. Yes, here I'm trying to... Okay, we're we're seven hundred thousand off, inclusive of this cut. So if we reject this cut, we're less than a hundred thousand dollars away from where we want to be. Is that correct? Right now, we're right now with this cut, we're to the good. 
Um, and so if we were to reduce this by 495, council would currently would still be have enough to balance. However, there are two other items that council wanted to go back to pending additional information that we received from the administration. And so depending on what happens with those two will then also depend on where you balance. Okay. So, but removing just this one item will get us six, well, I'm sorry, 157 or 495 closer to where we need to be. If we don't, if we only cut this by 157 and let the monies, you know, be spent on the police academy, the 495 that was transferred. With, with the other recommendations as is, council would still be okay and would still have enough funds to balance. But that may change when we look at the subsequent two items as well. Okay. All right. Well, let's, uh, Vice President Newbill. Uh, yes, I just wanted to, um, there was, uh, Megan had inquired earlier relative to um, uh, a category, uh, is it public arts? Um, yes, ma'am. The percent for the arts uh, project currently has uh, about three point, a little over $3 million um, in prior year funding available. Um, and so that could potentially be another project if council needs to balance okay. of funds that could be used. Any, to the best of our knowledge, obligated, committed projects, funding? I am not aware of any at this time, but that may be more of a question for the administration. Yes, Mr. Brown. Yes, sir. Good morning again. Jay Brown, Director of Budget and Strategic Planning. Um, we are not aware of the full available balance being obligated for that specific capital project. Yeah. And that money has been, has been um, accruing, for lack of a better word, for several years. Madam President, so, Mr. President. Yes. Question Ms. to Robertson. Um, can we get a more definitive uh, response to you saying that you're not aware of any or your comment was you're not aware of any, you're not aware of full commitment. Can we be more definitive as to whether or not we know that there are any uh, commitment and obligation? Yes, ma'am. Selena Cuffey, Glenn, CAO. Uh, for the city, and certainly that's a great question. From the current information we have from staff, there's about $3.1 million available where there are no commitments at this point in time. Uh, so, Okay. And so um, I guess my question, Mr. President, is to the attorney. Um, being that those funds are there, and, um, and they're indicated in the budget, and we don't have any obligation, we can reappropriate? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. So I think, um, Mr. President, based on Dr. Newbill's uh, and, uh, conference with Ms. Brown, if there are 3.1 
million dollars in the public arts, and we have no contracts, and this money has been accumulated. This would probably be a way that we can consider this um, as a reliable, certified source of revenue um, to consider for balancing our budget. Dr. Newbill. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Gray. So it's my understanding that this public arts fund has to be spent on projects related to public art, and it's a percentage of a set-aside based on a federal mandate. There, that is not correct, okay. um, not accurate. The city council has the power, with a vote of five, to move dollars as it's deemed necessary. As Mr. Brown indicated, there are $3.1 million available for council to use at its pleasure. But that is a decision that the city council can make. So are these different funds than the funds that were set aside, for instance, for the jail project? They are dollars that go back to 2009, 2010. And none of these are required funds that were within that federal mandate? There are no federal mandates, once again. These are city dollars available for your appropriation. Thank you, Ms. Coffey-Glenn. Mr. Jackson, just wanted to, again, if you would uh, weigh in, because if I understood correctly, when Hagen checked with you earlier, there was, you took time to review, and so. Yes, ma'am, and and the ordinance uh, that creates the percent for art program uh, specifically contemplates the possibility that council uh, may, by ordinance, uh, use money that was set aside for the percent for our program for other purposes. Okay. So you are free to do so if that's the choice of the council. Thank you. So, Any Madam Other questions? Yes. Vice yes. President, Dr. Newville. Yes. Councilman um, Robertson. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, I think this this money, um, whereas I, I feel that we should um, certainly support, and we, and we do support, and uh, public uh, art. And, and the Planning Commission is going through a process at the present time of entertaining a public art master plan for the city of Richmond that is greatly needed. Um, and as a part of that process, we are also looking at how we go about doing public art and funding public art. That has not been uh, completed through the Planning Commission at the present time. Uh, We expect to hopefully get some presentation maybe before the end of the year. Um, But at the space place where we are right now with the CIP, I would would like to add that as a source of revenue uh, for us to use the balance in the budget. Okay. CIP. CIP, yes, this budget is before us. Okay, and when you say use that, are you talking about the entire amount that is in that category? I think, yes, I am. Uh, We may ultimately, if we agree to some of the other reductions, then that could reduce the amount that comes out of the public art uh, line item. But I think to start for a place of starting to balance the budget, if we use those, if we reappropriate those funds, uh, my understanding is, based on the outstanding balance at the present time, we will still be short $200,000. Is that correct? 
or roughly? Yes, roughly, so between okay. two and 300,000. Okay, all right. Okay, Mr. Addison, you had a cop comment? So if, if I'm listening correctly, um, which I know I was late, so I might have missed something, but are we good to the $700,000? And then there's some details about other projects, and so we're getting that $700,000 we're over, a little bit smaller, but we're still in the, the black? Is that what I'm hearing correctly? Ms. Brown, I, I'm just, thinking that is correct, but okay. we are going to have that confirmation. Ms. Brown? So yeah, my, based my, on based look. on the reductions that are up there as right now, council has reduced made more reductions than they added. Sure. And so for me, and with um, Councilwoman Robertson's um, suggestion, um, as also I know we all support public art. If public art money is going to be used for anything else, in my opinion, it should be something such as paving or a public benefit that's all going to be benefiting our city because we have such a need for that, that I know that we have a lot of changes here, but I feel like if we're not moving money from other projects to support other projects, if we're using money that's set aside for public art, it just seems to me the best interest to take care of one of our most pressing needs, which would be improving infrastructure and adding to that budget because it's so small, because we also have a need for that. And I know that there's needs across the entire city. We talked a lot about those on Monday during our debate about the cigarette tax but I feel like if we're in the black here, unless we're not, that money does not exist currently, I, I'm just, I struggle to using public art money for something other than intended to if we're not in an emergency situation. And I would recommend that council reconsider its commitment to some of the public safety needs that were expressed, life safety and some of the other things that you heard this morning, as well as some of the conversations that went on on Monday. Uh, public safety is very important. Life safety is very important. So certainly as you make your decisions, um, I'm hoping that that would be reconsidered as a request. Thank you. Okay. <clears throat> so where I'd like to, where we are, um, we clarity regarding 3.2 um, comments from counselors thus far. So I want to go back to uh, 21. And so the, uh, what I'd like to get consensus on is uh, having the 495 be made available to deal with public safety issues with the um, police academy and retaining the 157. Will we have consensus there? I'm sorry. I, I don't understand if we're taking it or if we're The 495 would, be, uh, would remain for use for dealing with the health and safety issues in the police academy Madam, facility Madam is Vice what I was asking. And we would retain the balance of 157. Okay. Um, before we take a vote, where's the letter? I thought Chris was supposed to be reading a letter from the mayor. Um, and I'll, he'll come back to do that, I'm sure. I'm sorry, what? He will return to do that. He's just had to take a break. Well, shouldn't we see what's in the letter before we take a vote? Will we get ready to cut something? We're not looking or to cut this I mean, one. Why, why did he say he had a letter and he was getting ready to read the letter, and then he didn't read the letter? I'd like to know what's in the letter before we go any farther. Okay. So what I have on the tape, I will read the 
I will read the letter. Do we know when he's returning? Do we know when he's returning? Ms. Alley will read the letter. Okay. The, late, the letter is dated April 25th, 2018. The Honorable Chris A. Hilbert, President, Richmond City Council. Dear President Hilbert, I am writing in response to your memo dated April 24th, requesting that the administration identify at a minimum $1.2 million in capital improvement plan funding. City Code Section 6.19 indicates that the mayor shall submit a program of proposed capital improvement projects for the ensuing fiscal year and for the four fiscal years thereafter with his, her recommendations as to the means of financing the improvements proposed for the ensuing fiscal year. I presented to council on March 6 a balanced budget where proposed spending on fiscal year 2019 capital projects match the financing sources. Council has the power to accept the plan with or without amendments. I believe that I have fulfilled my duty in proposing a capital improvement plan that is balanced and consistent with my outlined citywide priorities and see no requirement to identify reductions that could be used by council to shift priorities, typically to new projects within their respective district. My team stands ready to assist and advise council through the remainder of your deliberations, but I cannot support setting a precedent where, a precedent where for the second straight year, second straight year, council sends me an imbalanced budget. Sincerely, LeVar M. Stoney, Mayor, City of Richmond, CC City Council, Council Chief of Staff. Okay, thank you. All right. So what we have on the table, that you've heard response, it, we're in the midst of a process um, looking at uh, recommended decreases, increases, in this case, um, decreases. And again, I, I think there was consensus, but what I proposed was that we retained or allow, retain in that category the 495 that would allow for the work to be done in the, um, at the police academy and that we would utilize the balance 157,000, 157,000 whatever number towards the other um, increases that uh, we are considering. And I but, think there was a consensus there. Madam Vice President. Yes. I, I have got I'm to say. I'm not being clear. I've got to say something. Okay. Over that letter that you just wrote, I mean, just Lou Ali just read, maybe we should send him a letter, the mayor, and let him know that we represent, I can say, my 26,000 people in my district. And there's a whole lot of things that this staff and all of us have worked on, you know, and things that we have done without. And I know that he's the mayor, and I know that he's presented the budget, and I know that we're not happy with this budget, especially with some things that have been missing in the budget. So how can he say he gave us a balanced budget when there was things that we didn't even know that the money had been spent and was still showing up in the budget book? I wish he was here so he could answer the questions, because just like I told him the other day, whatever I say out front to the citizens or to the staff, I'd say it to his face. I've always been like that. But to me, this is not fair to send a letter like that, knowing 
that, you know, we have issues, we have things that we've had to cut in our district year after year after year. So I would hope that our staff or the president would send the mayor a letter expressing our concerns and how we feel. Uh, duly noted. And um, the president certainly, once he returns, we can make that um, decision. Um, I really, this is pertaining the same item as Larson, so I do want to move on. It's pertaining to all the items that our staff has proposed. I mean, I think we're at the point where the mayor has said he's not working with us on this process, and that's the structure of this budget, him putting it together and us working on it. So our staff has put in endless hours working on this. And every item that comes up here, like Councilmember Jones was saying, people from the administration are going to come up here and plead with us not to take the money. But we have to make the decision. We spent hours the other day putting together our priorities, and now we have to fund them. So I think we're at the point where we need to trust our staff and the funds that they've found and that all the time they've spent trying to support us and our initiatives. You know, I submitted a bunch of capital requests to the mayor back in December or November, and none of them got put in the budget. So this is, this is my time. This is our time to represent our constituents. And I think you all probably remember on Monday, I had about six capital items, and I whittled it down to three. And that's not where I want to be, but we, we have to trust our staff. I mean, I'm ready to approve everything that has a recommendation from our staff for a decrease, just a blanket approval. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Gray? So I would agree if this were one of those that were transferred after we sent it over, but when it comes to a structural issue like this, I don't want to um, go out on a limb and take a risk and not get the repair done that's needed. So I understand where you're coming from, and I think with respect to those transfers that we were told about, after we submitted the impact, the request for impact statements, I think those are fair game. I think with respect to this, um, and I know we've gotten similar engineering reports that have said things are dire and that an imminent danger of collapse, that perhaps we're not in imminent danger, but that's not a risk I'm willing to take with um, employees and with our facilities. So with this one, I would um, respectfully say we need to go ahead and fund the needed structural repairs, but with all the others, um, move forward. Uh, thank you. And so I'm going to unbundle these items because there are um, recommendations that we don't all agree with that were made by other council members that we've been discussing. Uh, back and forth, and to talk about a blanket approval from my perspective, um, and I appreciate because our staff has worked diligently 
to try to be responsive to our needs, but I'm unwilling to just do a blanket approval without going through and looking at each of these items. I get that it's tedious. I get that our process needs to be changed for next year, and I'm willing to work with anyone to make that happen. But uh, a blanket approval is not uh, where we are. And so I'm going to press on this issue um, and to retain the 495 uh, such that the work can be done on the police academy and take the 157 to put towards council uh, uh, increases. Might I have a consensus here? I'm just double check. We want some. Okay, so we have 157,000 remaining in this line item. Um, Ms. Brown. Yes, uh, the next item is item number 22. Uh, it was originally by council to reduce the uh, customer relations management program project by the, um, the 949,000. After receiving responses from the administration, they have indicated that 301,000 is available for use um, to help balance council's amendments, but 648,000 needs to be retained for the rest of the project to be implemented. Okay. So, um, 648, you indicated? 648, the Would be needed to have this uh, go forward. 301,000 would be available to hit our bottom line. That's the response we received from the administration, right, yes. And Mr. Steidel, you're coming forward for comment, is that correct? Yes, ma'am. Uh, thank you, Madam Vice President. Bob Steidel, DCOVA Operations. Um, the uh, 311 project will be done. We provided you all a schedule. Uh, it will be done in April of 2019, so that is why the, the CIP dollars will extend through at that point. We also gave you a breakdown of where those costs would be spent. Um, we're very fortunate to have the AvPoint folks have given us a gift, but we still have to pay off our legacy system as well as do programming, and Charles Todd would like to get paid for the internal DIT work that he do, does. So we do have these expenses, but we certainly can free up $301,582 if, if you want to take, take that all. Thank you, Mr. Steidel. Uh, questions or comments? Uh, might I have consensus to retain the 301000 that's been suggested here? <laughs> Councilors, 301000 to be retained in this category. No, I'm not supporting that, sorry. I'm sorry, Mr. Atalesto, we are at item number 22. Correct. Staff has indicated that 648 would be what would be needed to move that uh, uh, program forward. Therefore, balance of 301000 would be remaining uh, for staff, uh, for, staff for council utilization That's towards correct. its increases. And so I'm take, asking for a consensus to um, allow the 648 to remain for the program and that we would retain the $301,000 to use towards council's uh, increases. That is correct. Might I have consensus? One, two, three, four. Thank you. Next item. Um, Madam Vice. Yes, sir. I'm I sorry. just have a question. I'm just I'm lost on one, on one particular thing. Last year, um, we balanced the CIP with a large sum of money that uh, council staff and myself located. And 
Yes or no? Yes, um, but that was for the MUNA system. I understand. Yeah. I understand. I'm just saying from, from a process standpoint. And I don't know if I missed something on the 3.1 for arts. That's not, how, how much is that? It what is 3.1 million. Is that and, correct? And okay. that would all but balance our budget, our CIP budget, save, what, 100? So, so I, I guess my question is, if the administration is saying that, that it's safe money, they're safe safe funds that we can use. And our attorney, city attorney, Mr. Jackson, has opined and said it's okay. Can we, by consensus, just use those funds and balance council's CIP budget? Because I, and then we're not even dealing with any of our staff's recommendations. And so everything just stays the way it is if I'm understanding the process correctly. Yes, other comments, questions? And I want to be clear. Um, are you talking about utilizing the entire $3.1 in that category? The, I, I, the, the way I understand, if, they, if there is no need, and I, and I guess Jay or, or someone can afford, if, if, that no is, if those are funds that we can use, to balance this year's CIP. Okay. Uh, Ms. Robertson had a comment. I was um, if, if, if I oh, Okay, if, Mr. Brown. Jay, Jay Brown, Budget Director. Um, yes, those funds are um, available, un available and unspent according to our records. It's up to council if they want to decide to use all of it or not. Thanks. Okay, or I, not. I may consent. I, I would just... I, can we use it? I mean, and just in the process, if uh, they're not identified. The city attorney has opined that they are usable. Okay. Um, let's go, I guess, Ms. Addison, Ms. Gray. I think given the sequence of what we've learned about how this CIP budget um, funding has been not really to the extent of our ability of knowing that it's there, I, I support Councilman Jones's um, effort in terms of looking at if we have available funds that are not allocated, there are projects maybe in process, but not to a point where we're going to be building anything with public art in the next 12 months for the fiscal year. And that we're finding that a lot of these funds might not be as presently available as we thought they were. Using these funds to leverage for getting our desires and, and projects funded, I think, is a good idea. Um, I think leaving funds in the public art budget would be a good idea, not to use the entire amount. So I would think if we could look at possibly what's it, is it three point how much? Three point, Miss Brown, the correct amount is 3.1, is that correct? 3.1 and some change. Okay. okay. I mean, I'd be fine leaving them a million dollars in that in case things were to come up throughout the year, but I think if there's $2 million plus a little bit to be able to be put towards some of these projects, I'd rather do that then take away money for a big need we have, which is customer relationship management, 311 call center, um, paving projects that might be complete, but we have more paving projects that, that money could roll into. I just see a lot of things up there that, while I understand that their money might be listed as not fun, all the way used, I'd rather use money that has no purpose yet assigned to it, and instead of encumbering it for future projects, taking care of needs we have without taking away from 
the current process here. Thank you. Ms. Gray. So are we trying to balance this? Or are we trying to get additional funds and go back and add projects that we shaved off? Is that the At the current time, I believe we're in the process of trying to balance. Yes. Okay. So, and I think, um, and we're including subtracting out the 235 in this remaining balance? Uh, yes, the 235 is item number 26. Okay. Um, I have a couple of questions. One, I know that there was a salary being paid out of the capital budget for the arts. Is that being corrected in this budget structurally? I, I believe, and the administration will have to respond, but I think oh. Ms. Brown. Yes, yes, that, um, that position is now being funded in the operating budget within the planning department for 19 and 20. So we have a public arts coordinator and we have a vibrant arts community that is an economic driver for our city. So, I, you know, I'm reluctant to cut too much of the public arts fund, but I'm willing to see where we end up and balance that towards what other projects, if there are some, and I, and I know we have lots of extreme needs, and they're arguably life, health, safety items. Um, but I, I would be reluctant to reduce that too much because that is an item. We have the VCU Institute for Contemporary Arts that just went up. We have the Vibrant Arts District, and that district generates a lot of money back into the general fund. and. Um, arguably, investing in public arts will yield more money back into our coffers. At so, thank you. I, I concur uh, with my colleagues. Art is a major component of our life and well-being. And so I would not want to empty that uh, pot in terms of dollars uh, to look at filling uh, fulfilling the request, um, it just is. It's just as much a part of our life, vibrancy and well-being. And so, yeah, it seems to me we could look at a um, fairly significant amount but not uh, deplete that category. Um, other comments? Mr. Agilesto. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> so this is going to sound very odd coming from the person who has spent half of his career in the arts, having worked at the Smithsonian, having actually served on the arts panel uh, to review arts missions and how public arts served and benefited the Washington Convention Center in D.C. Art and public art is very important, and we've been making a great investment, but I don't support moving it to fund individual projects and districts, but I would support moving the entire amount to fund the school maintenance needs. I'm sorry, but if you're thinking about life and health and safety issues, art helps the brain. It inspires you. It makes creative uh, thoughts. 
But if you haven't been cultivated to have that mental stimulus through school and public education, it doesn't serve the type of goals and benefits that we think it is. I'd put it into schools, and that would be the, the way that I would touch the funds if, if council were going to touch the funds. Any other comments? Counselors? Okay, with that, what we have on, we have a couple of things on the table. One is to, uh, well, three at this, well, maybe it's just two. So the first one certainly to uh, Ms. Addison um, suggested we use all except a million dollars. That would keep a million dollars in the arts. I think Ms. Gray didn't indicate a number, but suggested uh, leaving some amount in for the arts. I don't know if that million would be appropriate. I would say at least but, half should remain, like one and okay. a half million. So million, one and a half. And then Ms. Agilesto has put on the table if we're going to utilize any, that all 3.1 would be put towards schools. Mr. Jones uh, indicated that we should use the entirety to balance, I want to make sure I have it all, to balance um, the, um, the uh, councilmatic uh, increases. Uh, Is and, that and, it? And Madam Vice, I, I, <laughs> I would withdraw mine and support uh, Mr. Agilesto. Okay. So, any other comments? All right, let's, let's peel these off one at a time. Yes, Ms. Gray. So, I know, um, and from my experience on school board, I've come down here and fought for maintenance funds and numerous times, and um, the, we got a huge amount of an infusion um, of money, about $18 million of when I was on the school board, and more than half of that money is still available for those maintenance um, reasons. I think if we put all $35 million that is needed in the budget each year, it would not get utilized. It's a capacity issue. I also, again, um, I have issue with the lack of a comprehensive facilities plan that doesn't contemplate closing any school buildings. We cannot afford to repair every single building that we have, and we have empty seats, lots of them. Um, so I would love to take a lot of um, funding, and if I thought it would fix our schools overnight, you know, that's our biggest economic draw. I mean, really great schools, but is the capacity there to spend this money? I mean, I know we've had a leaky roof at Fox for 20 years, and it's a million-dollar project, but there's been $18 million sitting in that budget. Now it's down to about 10 and some change, but... What's the plan with that money, and will it all be spent, and how, how are we going to move forward with it? Okay. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to take these one at a time. Uh, we now have, I guess, three 
items on the table. So number one, if I could get consensus on um, utilizing all the funds to balance uh, council's um, increases, but leaving $1 million in the arts um, category for utilization. Consensus, anyone? Um, excuse me. Yes. I'm I'm not sure I understand. So, okay, so it's three point one million, and this it's three point one. What I heard was one million to remain, one point five million to remain, and then um, the other was to put it all towards school maintenance. Okay. Okay, and I'm taking one at a time. All right, so one million to remain for utilization in the arts. Folks, what do we have on that side? And do I have? Like I said, that now? this is to okay. balance out council-matic projects. That's correct. The balance that would not be, uh, the balance would be utilized. So in this case, with the one million, we would have uh, 2.1 that would be utilized to balance out council projects requests. Okay. so. Did we have consensus? No? Oh. We do. Okay. Well. Okay. Yeah, we have consensus there. So the balance. So $1, uh, $1 million would remain in the account for the arts and the balance would be utilized to balance uh, council requests. Thank you. Ms. Brown, next item. As to where we are yes, with that consensus. Thank you, Ms. Roberts and Ms. Brown. Thank you. So is it that you'd want to eliminate everything else, the other staff recommendations, and... Yes, these would be no. used. Okay, what well, I heard... can we get a tally based on what consensus well, let's do we the have? First. Let's do the tally first, If we can get a tally with the you, consensus, then we can okay. determine what else we want to do with the other amendments as well. I'll come back to once we get the tally. Okay. I'll come right back to you. Uh, council would need roughly about 300000 in additional Say again, Ms. Brown, I'm sorry. There, I'm, we would need additional roughly about 300000 in cuts. Okay. 300000 yes, in cuts. Okay, Ms. Larson. Okay, I, Ms. Wait, wait. Okay, so. That, that, I'm just trying to get clarification. Does that include the cuts that we've already made? Includes the 2.1 that you just did for the arts. And it includes the 301, the 157, and then these, these two. Okay. Thank you. Ms. Larson. I think we should continue with the list that our staff put together for us, first of all, because they spent a lot of time on it. And I think we should listen to their recommendations. 
And as I mentioned earlier, I personally cut things from CIP requests that I had put forward the other day, and that includes citywide paving. Um, I support more money for maintenance in the schools. We have needs way beyond what we all put forward. And we're all, I think, kind of giving what is the, putting forward what is the minimum for our district. And on top of that, we have huge citywide needs. So I think we should try and squeeze out every dollar that we can out of the CIP budget. And if we have extra money, then we should look at putting it in paving and school maintenance. Uh, what's your pleasure? Several comments have been made, including taking them all. Keep, <laughs> so, uh, Vice would there be anyone opposed to going through the remainder of the items that are here from staff? And I apologize. I don't, I'm having some, I don't know, my voice is doing something, so I'll go work on that during break. Um, anyone opposed to going through each of these items? Ms. Robertson, were you going to comment? I, I, I didn't realize you were going to call for a consensus vote, so I'll, I'll wait for your consensus vote. Okay. Um, do we have a consensus to continue to go through the remainder of the items? Okay. Ms. Brown, next item. So we're going, we're moving forward? There was not consensus to go through. That's correct. Um, well, I do want to go to one item, um, item number 26, which is the Nine Mile Road corridor. I believe at Monday's council meeting that was decided that, that those funds could be used. So if council, That was correct. If council agrees to that, then um, we would only need about 65000 to balance. 65000 okay. And so the other recommendation would then be um, item number 27, which is a recommendation to reduce the fire station buildings um, project. And this was as a result of all those completed projects that the administration moved the funding to. And so we can reduce that just by the $64,000 um, $64, that we would need to balance. And then if we zeroed everything else out, we would be balanced. Thank you, Ms. Brown. I'd like to hear from FIRE uh, about the implications of such a reduction in this category. Uh, so what's here, Chief Carter, is... 361-533, and the recommendation is that it would be reduced by 64000 Would appreciate uh, your comment relative to implications if such a reduction is taken. Yes, ma'am. Good you. morning, Madam Vice President, members of council. <clears throat> Obviously, uh, the needs before you for the fire department, uh, we believe and insist that they are critical needs. And some of the reductions that are being imposed uh, will affect our ability to respond appropriately, uh, particularly as it relates to uh, routine maintenance, uh, which then can become critical maintenance, particularly at the time when we need them most. So I would recommend that we not cut that fund at all, if at all possible. And if you need additional information to the specifics, uh, Chief, Deputy Chief Taylor can provide the specifics. 
with respect to projects. Okay. Thank you. Any uh, further inquiry, comment? Thank you, Chief. Council members. Um, I'm sorry. Did you have something for the yes, Chief, for the Ms. Trammell? Chief, this money is only to be used for the um, fire stations, right? To, like, repairs yeah. and things like that. Yes, ma'am. Specifically for that. Thank you. Thank you. Ms. Gray. So, um, a few of us attended a session on um, cancer rates among firefighters and um, health concerns. And what I learned in that presentation is that a lot of the things that are needed um, to decontaminate after a firefighter returns to the station, we don't have in our fire stations. And we're causing our firefighters to become sick. Um, and I do think that there are, and I would love to see the plans moving forward, but, um, and I think it would be important for all of council to at some point um, receive a briefing on, um, and some are very simple items, you know, where um, one firehouse only has one shower, but it's recommended that the firefighters shower immediately because mm -hmm. some of the um, carcinogens seep through the skin in areas that need to be washed off, and, and that reduces the cancer rates drastically, and it can't happen when you only have one shower. So um, I'm reluctant to cut funds, having gone out to see um, the facilities at several um, of our fire stations and knowing that they are grossly inadequate for addressing what science has shown us is causing our firefighters to, um, at alarming rates, get cancer. And um, we need to start looking at that and doing what we need to do to address those issues. Thank you, Ms. Gray. Ms. Robertson. Yes, I'm sorry. Uh, I agree. Um, and and I, it goes back to what we were saying earlier as it relates to these cuts and the reason why they're always extremely difficult to cut because they are essential. And, you know, the safety of our employees and providing a safe place for them to work is essential for us to do as a as a responsible employer. Um, so my question to Ms. Brown is the uh, recommended dollar amount that we are suggesting to come out of that line item uh, number 27? Uh, would be $64,644. Okay. So my question, I guess, um, that I would like to pose um, Madam Chair, is whether or not we can, we left a million dollars in the arts, if we could go back and pull that 64 out and try to balance out. Uh, thank you, Ms. Robertson. So I would like to unbundle this um, for the same reason that we retained the 495 pertinent to safety and well-being. I would concur with both of you. This pertains to safety and well-being for our uh, firefighters, and so I would not be supportive of pulling it out. And so what I'd like to do first is to get consensus on whether or not we want to remove these funds from this category. 
Thank you. So uh, that will remain as is, 361-533. Now, Ms. Robertson has an item up. I was coming back to there your recommendation. There was two recommendations, the 220, 235. The 235 um, came out. And, but it's still showing there. Oh, so okay. if we take that out, then that leaves us to 64. Yeah, we're, we're keeping the 235 in as a reduction. Right. And then, to hit the bottom, right. Right. And then all council needs to balance their amendments is, is 64,000. 64, exactly. And everything else can get zeroed out. That's correct. Okay. So, Chief, thank you. Um, thank you for all that you all do. We thank you. Making the point here. Uh, so, um, Madam Vice Chair, can we just go back to see what has made it thus far for those increases? How far back, Mr. Angelesta? Are we looking at relative to the 64,000 that you're trying to tell me what the goal is? I'm just trying to reassess what has all been left in here. Okay, so what I want to, and, and we can do that, but what's on the table uh, coming out of the comment was Ms. Robertson's recommendation to reduce the uh, funding amount of $1 million by 64000 to uh, balance the budget. And so if I could have consensus or not on that, and if that doesn't move, then we would have to do exactly what you're saying, Mr. Agilesto. Ms. Gray. So what if we reduced one of those other suggested cuts um, okay, that are so, a large dollar? Like, okay, so, but, but like we have an item on the... Like the 650000 for the 730 building. I okay. Mean, so we have an item on the table. If we don't get consensus there, then we can go back and take a look at the categories. And so what is your pleasure? What's on the table from Ms. Robertson is to reduce the one million by sixty-four thousand to balance the budget. Do we have consensus? Okay. With that, now we will go back uh, as Mr. Agilesto has uh, suggested and come forward. And I think this. And what we'll do um, first is take a five-minute break, and then we'll come back and go through and look for the 64,000 to balance. Uh, five minute break. Is that good, Mr. Allen? <laughs> Council members, if you would uh, uh, return to your seats, we will resume the budget session. Okay. We have a few mem members. We will await their return, and then we need to get underway in earnest.
Ms. Brown, we will resume. Yes, we checked with the administration. The administration would be okay with reducing the 730 building project by the 64,000 if council is agreeable to that. Really? Okay. Well, uh, might I have a consensus? Uh, Mr. Jones? Thank you. Mr. Angelesto, were you amenable to that? Is that going to schools? No. Mr. Agilesto, were you amenable to that particular item? Was that a yes or a no? I'm not going to support any cuts if it's going to district projects at this stage. I, you know, this I'm is just, going to balance. I think we got to come together as one city, and we got to put it into projects that are going to schools as one city, that are going to repaving as one city, that are going okay. to sidewalk repairs as one city. But um, I'll, I'll let you all get the consensus that you feel like you need if, if that's what you want to do. I, I believe we did have consensus. Is that correct, Ms. Trammell, Ms. Gray? My, thank you. So, Ms. Bra- Jones, I'd did like you raise your ask, hand on that? Yes. Okay, yeah. thank you. I'd like to ask, um, if that's the case, then why submit district projects? I mean, we cut several of them back, but there's still about a half a million dollars in fifth district submissions from. Okay, so let's, let's unbundle this one more time. So we have, Ms. Brown, we have balanced this segment, and then I want to go to Ms. Gray's inquiry. I'm going corrected. to come back to you, Ms. Gray. I just want to make sure where we are in this 850000 So, I mean. Okay. Yes, currently um, all of the amendments as far as the increases um, are balanced. We do have a couple other items that council hasn't taken action on. Um, So would you like to move to those or is there? Uh, Yes. Okay. The uh, next item is item 33, uh, which is an amendment by Councilman Agilesto to increase school maintenance by 15 million. So um, I Ms. guess Agilesto. since I didn't get to present on this line item on Monday, it was tabled for the discussion and debate and vote on the uh, proposed cigarette tax. They were not coupled, as I mentioned before. I had balanced out um, my increases with decreases, and so I leave this on the table for you all to decide how you want to handle it. Comments, counselors? What are we looking at, Madam Vice? Uh, if you item 31. 31. 30. Um, I'm Excuse me, 33. My page has 31. I must have an old version. Okay. It's item 33 here. I'm sorry. That's... Well, the question is, as we've handled all of these, you have to decide what to do with it. I introduced it with the balanced budget amendments. It's still on the table. It has not, not been debated. The question is whether or not we're supporting adding $15 million to the CIP budget with, at this, with this line item, right? Is that the 
item this That would be the result of okay. a consensus in this item. Thank you. On what we just balanced. That's my yes. question. Other questions or comments? Uh, let me say, Ms. Gray? So, have we gotten a solidified plan on what's going to happen with the money that's currently funded for school maintenance and how that will be spent in the upcoming fiscal year? I am not aware of anything that 12 to 13 million in maintenance and repair and then the 150, 150 million for um, new construction. So, I, Megan, do we have any update? Um, the, the funding is for school maintenance, so I guess the plan would be to use it on routine maintenance of the school buildings, so roofs, HVACs. And, and I understand that piece. What I'm saying is there have been issues that are longstanding that we have the list. It's a very extensive list, and yes, Mr. Agilesto, you did provide us all with the list of what the maintenance needs are. Um, However, for more than two years, this money has been in that maintenance account, so capacity comes up as an issue because there's no way all of these things can get done in a 12-month period. So I want to know what can get accomplished given the capacity, given the, the ability working either with the city or with school facilities folks, what can get accomplished with the funds um, and what's the maximum amount that could be done. There are only so many projects at one time that the school district can handle obviously, because there are some serious issues that have not been addressed that have been on this list for quite a while when their money has been sitting out there. So my question is more about what is the capacity, the maximum capacity, and what is intended to get accomplished with that maximum capacity? What projects specifically? Okay. Ms. Trammell, question? Um, no, I just have a statement. I agree with my colleague, Kim, in reference to the schools. I also want to say that um, we're getting so many calls about our streets, about the potholes, sinkholes. Our streets are horrible. And if we don't fix our streets and if we don't pay attention to public safety and police and fire, 911, um, the Richmond Ambulance Authority, if all, and our taxes, if we don't start doing a better job, we're not going to have people that's going to stay in our city when they have these, their children. They're going to be moving to the surrounding counties because we're already hearing that, you know, they haven't even realized that the water bill, the utilities haven't went up yet. They go up July the 1st. We're already getting so many calls right now about their utility bills, but how high they are. And to me, we got to do a better job as far as our infrastructure because if we don't, people are not going to stay. You, you ride down... And I'll just say, um, over there by, by the city jail, that how bad that street is. And I know in Commerce Road, Jefferson Davis now, after it's already been paved, it's like it's not being paved right. It, it only lasts about a year and a half, maybe two years, and then the stuff starts breaking all up, crumbling. And I know that Commerce Road, and part of it's been paved at least three times. Mr. Marshall rode with us that one time down Jefferson Davis Commerce, and... The year later, he had it paved, and it's all breaking up again. 
But as I'm saying, we got to do more as far as can't cut public works, can't cut code enforcement. And, and, you know, Kim is right. She was on school board, her and Christian both, and I know that they both came down here and fought for more money, got more money, and then we're hearing the money wasn't even spent. Thank you. And nobody's here to even answer our questions. Thank you. Any other comment? Uh, I I don't know if Ms. Robertson Because I think you comment. Let me go around and I'll come back to you. I'd be happy to. Thank you. Ms. Robertson. Um, I don't want to be redundant, but I agree with, um, you know, schools is a high priority for us, and we've been saying this for years, and I know that we need to put more money into schools. So any effort to increase funding for schools is necessary. However, I agree with um, my colleagues that, you know, and we've asked Schools have an outstanding surplus of funding in, in their budget for operation and for school maintenance. These have been needs that have been identified for several years. Personally, I feel like schools should have enough contracts already ready to go that demands a certain amount of money just waiting for the funding. But that's not the case. We have Funding that has not been appropriate has not been assigned to any um, to any contract, and it's difficult for schools. I respect that they have a limited window for doing major projects, and that it's difficult to schedule. But uh, I I cannot support this um, amendment uh, of the fifteen thousand because I really do feel that there's a lot of work that we need to do. Uh, collectively to try to spend the money that currently is in the budget and also work toward finding an adequate resource of money that can be spent on an annual basis to correct these problems. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I think Ms. D'Angelesto, Ms. did you speak before? No. Yeah. On this particular item? Okay, so I'll go back. Mr. Angelesto was next, and I'll come back to you. Mr. Angelesto. Uh, Mr. Angelesto. It's okay. Should, should I? Are you um, still wanting to comment? Otherwise, no. I'll go to the next. I guess the, the, the issues that I hear repeated from, from several on council is <clears throat> schools are a priority. We know they have maintenance issues. We know that they need money. But golly, we're giving them this money, and they're not spending it, so why should we give them any more money? I'm not confident that the schools couldn't spend what they have and more in next year, I believe they could. I think their biggest concern is that when you don't give sufficient funding to accomplish the goals, you don't know what and how to prioritize those demands on their budget. For, for the next five years, what this budget is pr- approving 
is $12 million for a district-wide improvement for five years. 44 buildings over five years is getting $12.5 million. Next year's request, which every single one of you all I got broken out by district, by school, by whether it's HVAC, structural, electrical, you name it, you've seen it, you make the assessment of whether or not it's appropriate to fund. What I know, and I'm going to go personal with you all, is I have a 16-month-old daughter. In a matter of a few years, she's going to be entering Fox Elementary School that those who have served on the school board said they know it has a leaky roof and it's going to cost $1.2 million to repair that leaky roof that they have known about for years. And it has other issues. And it's about to get a whole bunch of trailers because of overcrowding. My daughter's scheduled to go there today, at this moment in time. How does that make me as a parent feel to hear the debate? My daughter in 10 years, would be scheduled to go to Benford Middle School. I heard all of those teachers talk about the conditions of Benford Middle School, and currently, Benford is not on the major repair list. I can see Mr. Jones leaving, and I appreciate your, your time listening to, to this, and I know we all got busy schedules. That's fine, but I'm one parent. I am one parent. There are a lot of other parents who aren't down here every day to understand the issues, who don't have a voice, can't make the time to get here, and frankly, don't understand the threats to their children that this council continues to ignore. So for me personally, that's Monday that's why I had to put my head in my hands. It's heartbreaking. And I don't know, I honestly don't know, given, given the city's situation, when or how that will ever improve. Okay. So I did my homework. I made my recommendations. You all have handled those recommendations the way that you choose to handle them. You will make decisions that are going to affect a lot of people. And I know you know that. It's not a game. It's governance. Okay. And I just always ask you all to do the right thing. Thank you, Ms. Nagelesto. Ms. Gray. So I can tell you for many, many years on the school board, I met with um, energy performance contractors who are already approved to do business with schools and localities within the Commonwealth. Um, there are other ways to replace windows, to put a new roof. Um, the performance contracts are another option um, for school districts to use. That was rejected at every turn. Um, there are other means of accomplishing this list. And I haven't seen any come out of this school board. I haven't seen any come out of the school administration. I haven't seen what the intent, and I have children in the school, so, I mean, if anybody's going to throw out histrionics, I have a child with severe asthma. 
Who goes into a building that leaks every day? So I know the needs of our district. My oldest started over 20 years ago in Richmond Public Schools. I've been dealing with this for quite a long time. We are not going to get to that end goal, rebuilding every single school that we have in the portfolio. We're not going to get there. We're not going to get there trying to fund it this way. We've got to be creative and innovative, and we've got to be open to what the state and every other school district is doing to accomplish those goals. Performance contracting is key when it comes to $90 million in HVAC and new window, window replacements. I'm 100% behind getting our schools up to par. It's been my life's work. But I'm 100% behind spending taxpayer dollars in a very deliberate and responsible way and accomplishing those goals without severe waste. And none of the plans that I've seen include anything about a new roof at Fox that's been leaking for at least two decades. None of the plans I've seen address that. So, I mean, if we, if we get... I mean, we have a list of a lot of needs. Let's see the plans. This is not the plan. This is the list of the needs. Okay. I have a whole list of needs for my own home. I don't have plans because I don't have the funding to do all the things. I'd like, I'd like to upgrade my HVAC at home. Okay. I can't afford to do that. That's on my list. Okay. So uh, with that, um, I do want to... Madam Chairwoman, I'm sorry. Uh, just a moment, Mr. Adelesto. Um, I do want to, um, again, reiterate what I shared on Monday. I am absolutely committed to our schools having what they need for renovation and construction and for academic programming. However, it needs to be a comprehensive funding plan that looks at every revenue stream the city has, as well as corporate foundation and other funding sources to get there. Um, schools has somewhere between 12.5 to $13.5 million right now for reno- repair. The, uh, the $150 million on the table for new construction gives us an opportunity to come up with a comprehensive, a comprehensive school funding plan. And so with that, if there's anyone who's not spoken already to this. Okay, I'll go to Ms. Mr. Angelest, I met them as Trammell, and then we'll go for a consensus Thank you. on this item. Um, you know, and this is where communication, I think, breaks down and where we all hope for the education compact to be putting us all on one strategy, et cetera. And um, the superintendent of Richmond Public Schools is hopeful to get somebody here to outline this uh, but he did just give me a call, and and in the absence of somebody official from RPS to say this, I will put it on the record because, again, it's about communication, 
and what we all expect and understand from each other. The money, most of that money that is there for school maintenance, a lot of it had been in design and construction budget before, and then it moved over to maintenance. It hadn't been there for years and years and years just as a pot of money that hasn't been spent. So that's a point of clarification. Secondly, secondly, they're going through their budgets. They know that they're getting $150 million for new construction. They're trying to figure out what they can do with the 150. They're trying to figure out, are they building three new schools or four new schools? Because 150 was arbitrary. It's not based on any construction budget with plans. The superintendent told me on the phone, and this is where communication and clarification, they would like to reserve some of that money that they have in school maintenance to be able to close a budget gap if it's a matter of three new schools versus four new schools. I don't know. That's not how it was appropriated. Do I think that's appropriate? No. Is it worth us understanding what the school board is trying to accomplish with the monies that have been allocated to them? I think yes. But if I'm hearing they're beginning to sit on this money to move it into new construction and not do the necessary maintenance, then I'm... sorry, can you repeat what you just said? Well, that's why I'm hopeful that somebody from Richmond Public Schools can get down here within the next five minutes. You know, and and if we can, I'd I'd gladly table it so that somebody can explain it. You just said that capital funds were going to be used to close the budget for... The operating that the funds no, 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 that for the new construction schools currently has on hand somewhere between twelve and a half to thirteen and a half million. What Mr. Alcalesto has indicated he's had communication about is that there's consideration of adding that to possibly close the gap on construction along with the hundred and fifty million, but there's not been any decisioning yet as to how many schools or uh, and if that could make the difference. But there is when, that amount that right now. Wouldn't that decision have to be um, approved by council? <clears throat> yeah. And I'm, and no, I'm saying... I, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I was just trying to have... I, I, I'm sorry that I interrupted you. I was just trying to understand what you were saying. And that's yeah. why I said I didn't know any of this until I've been trying to get some questions answered. The superintendent called me. Hopefully somebody from RPS could be here because that's not an appropriate use of the the budgets that the council has approved. Right. All right. But, <laughs> and if, we, if we're just yelling at each other about these things and not actually talking to the decision makers, it's not going to be ultimately helpful to get to the end goal here. So if it if it's a matter of waiting 10 minutes for somebody from RPS who could get here to answer I those questions, you. I would appreciate the time. Okay. I want to go. Ms. Trammell had a question. Ms. Trammell? And then I'll come back to Ms. Gray oh, and then Ms. Larson. And then Ms. Robertson. Okay. So, Ms. Gray? And let me just say this will be the last round. We will wait the 10 minutes to get whatever the uh, hopefully. Um, greater information about the 12.5 to 13 that's been sitting for maintenance and repair um, with many of these challenges before us that people shared with us on Monday. Uh, So we will do that. 
but we'll do this last round of comments and questions. So, Ms. Ms. Gray? So, uh, just a couple of comments on um, what was just stated. Uh, I have heard of some capital needs at, which aren't included on this list at some of the, at least one of the preschools that's extensive. Um, the other comment that I would have to make about the possibility of moving maintenance funds to close the gap on a capital project would mean you're neglecting over 20,000 students for the needs of a few. Uh, that, that basically is making a statement that we're not going to maintain the buildings that these 20-some thousand other students are in so that we can get these few buildings built for the, this small percentage of students. And I don't think that's a good message to send to students without, within the remaining parts of the city. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Robertson. Uh, Madam Chair, um, this amendment before us of $15 million, uh, we have not, we've struggled to balance the budget just within the last hour. I don't see any identification of any $15 million to be added to cover this cost to the budget. Um, I would like to get a consensus on this. I agree with uh, my colleagues. Uh, I understand that schools um, have, you know, money in their budget for maintenance. Just the thought that they would complain consistently about maintenance issues and the idea that it would be suggested that we would move this to close a construction gap for schools that we have not seen plans for. Um, I, I know that we, are, we all have times that we have to take to make strategic planning decisions and I hear um, Mr. Agilesto's comments from his conversation on the phone, which sounds like to me that the school board is in the process of trying to make wise strategic plans that they just haven't mapped out yet, and that they should take the time to be able to do that. But we do not have $15 million to support this amendment, and I would like to call for a consensus on this slide item before us. I will call for a consensus, but the superintendent has joined us, and so I would ex like to extend to him an opportunity if he'd like to comment. We've been discussing, uh, Superintendent Cameras, the uh, 12.5 to 13.5 million dollars that uh, are in the budget for repair and maintenance, and just wanted to get some idea uh, about the. Uh, if we understand correctly, the possibility that that might be put towards the $150 million on construction and then what would happen with repair, et cetera. So if you could enlighten us. Yes, um, and with full transparency, my own understanding of past budget decisions is still developing. My understanding is that that $12 million is the remainder of roughly $18 million that was uh, appropriated some time ago my understanding is it was originally for uh, a number of construction projects, of which I believe about $4 million was used for the um, Overby Shepherd renovation. And so, again, my understanding is this was originally allocated um, not actually for maintenance and repairs, but for A&E work and for other renovations. Uh, so there's a roughly 12.5 remaining. 
And so one of the discussions that we had was using those funds to begin the A&E work on the new construction that we will be able to support via the meals tax. Because those funds are available now, as opposed to July 1, when the meals tax revenue would be available, we could take steps on a more expedited time frame with those existing funds to begin A&E work on the new construction. And so that's why it was being spoken of uh, for that purpose. Um, I will also say that without those additional funds, um, and if we're looking at just the $150 million, um, it is really not possible for us to entertain the construction of a new George Wythe, which was the fourth school in phase one of the plan that the school board passed. Um, just the gap between what we would need is too large, I think, in good faith to begin that construction process. And so uh, we would be left with um, proceeding with the other three schools, which would be Green, George Mason, and Elkhart Thompson. Um, so granted, um, we um, are trying to stretch the dollars that we have to expand our ability to take care of these facilities issues. Um, but again, if, if, if we are not going to be using those funds to assist in, in that manner, um, yes, they could be used for maintenance. Um, and of course, I'm glad to do that. It just has implications for our, um, for our facility efforts long term. Okay, so just a point of clarification. Um, just want to make sure I understand. I thought that there were two pots, one for maintenance and repair and one for planning, and that the planning dollars were more in the area of about $14 million, but that the maintenance and repair was in the area of, again, the 12 to 13.5. And maybe... Uh, My... I'm, I'm glad just, to be corrected on this. No, as and my so am I, Superintendent. Is, I'm yes. Just and so I will confer with our financial staff, but my understanding is that these are actually one and the same. That, okay. And, and so if, that, if, if I'm mistaken, okay. I'm glad to be corrected. Yeah. Okay, so I, and it, administration, Mr. Brown, unless you have someone who's... I don't. Okay. Mr. Brown, can you uh, enlighten... Ms. Larson, do you have the answer to this one? Yes. Two I different do. pots? Yes. Okay. They're in our budget book. Okay. Under active projects, page 62 is school planning and construction. So I believe those are the planning dollars you mentioned that have been set aside. And then on page 40, under the education tab, we have the school maintenance fund. So they're two separate pots. Um, Thank so you. I, I mean, so under, is, so, so under this is a better experience, so Superintendent. Can I can I just <laughs> add something else? Yes. I mean, what what you're mentioning about starting the planning before July first, you can do that because you have nine million dollars in that pot right now. Okay. Um, but the maintenance dollars are for maintenance. And those cannot be used for planning unless this body um, takes a vote on reallocating those funds. 
Thank you. Superintendent, any I, other look, comments? I am glad to confer with our financial team to, to get a, a better understanding. I'm, I'm sharing the information that I was provided. Oh, and, um, and I'm the first to admit that this has been confusing, and I understand how the council and the public have found it confusing because there are a lot of different numbers that are being thrown about. And, again, I'm the first to admit that causes a lack of trust. And so if... Uh, what you're indicating, Ms. Larson, um, is the case, and I have no reason to doubt you, um, then certainly I will expend those maintenance funds as quickly as is humanly possible on maintenance projects. Um, so I will go back and Thank you. confer with the team, and um, I'm glad to follow up accordingly. Thank you, Superintendent Cameron. Yes. Um, with that, I am going to call for a consensus on this item. Um, the uh, what we have before us is a $15 million increase. Uh, do we have consensus in light of all that we have just heard? Thank you. Ms. Gray? But I do have a, a, an additional comment, and, and it speaks to my major, I mean, what, what was major a few minutes ago is there are no words there are no words to describe my concern and the capacity and the ability of this current board and administration to accomplish what needs to happen for our students. Someone needs to sit down and really go back and educate our superintendent on how these funds are being allocated what's available to be spent, how this process works. I understand there aren't, um, there was a whole lot of um, brain trust that was lost um, or will be lost um, very soon within um, Richmond Public Schools. And that's not for me to decide, but as a parent, I'm really appalled that, that my former school board colleague had to explain to the head of our school district that these are two separate pots of money. That's appalling. Um, we clearly have work to do. I'm confident with our new superintendent uh, that he'll get his arms around um, these, these matters. And so with that, Ms. Trammell, the very last comment on this item, and we're going well, to Well, I forward. wasn't going to say anything, but when it said by some school board members that we're wasting money over here, they said city council wastes a heck of a lot of money over there at City Hall. I want to say that school board or school superintendent, they have wasted almost a million dollars by hiring people that was not even advertised. Got five people making $180,000, and I don't know exactly what he makes, probably about two hundred fifty or $275,000, and he comes here and he's not even prepared. And that's the school superintendent in the city of Richmond. Thank you, Ms. Trammell. We did call him down without four notice, and so I do want to accord him that, uh, uh, that um, flexibility there. With that, uh, the next item, Ms. Brown. The next item is the um, proposal by Councilman Agilesto to reduce the Stone Bistro project by $8.7 million. Uh, the Stone Bistro papers were put off until OD, uh, on our next OD meeting, first meeting in May. And so um, unless there is some compelling um, reason to proceed with this, I think we need um, 
to have that opportunity to get whatever questions answered, uh, et cetera. This is not $8 million that somehow we will be able to redistribute. The payment for them comes from the project. And so unless there's urgency, I just assume that we uh, await that discussion and then make uh, this part of uh, any further decisioning. Mr. Angelesto. I looked as if your uh, hand thank was you. Up. And per our protocol, I'd like to give an introduction. Yes, uh, absolutely. I was co- going to come back to you. I was just offering that for consideration. This so. item. Um, <clears throat> and the city attorney is present, so it might be helpful if he could also articulate on the source of funding for this. But it's my understanding that these were not being issued as revenue bonds that instead that they were being issued as general obligation bonds, which uh, in the case of a, um, let's say, a separation between the city and Stone on this, the city would be on the hook to pay all of the debt back um, and that there wouldn't be necessarily the the recourse. So in some ways, um, this does hit our bonding capacity in that regard. It can be handled slightly separately, but there is some risk um, that the city is absorbing here. So I want to articulate that, and if if the city attorney wishes to provide any clarification, I would welcome that. Mr. Jackson. Uh, Just a couple of of comments, really. Um, One, yes, it's my understanding that the expectation is these will be general obligation bonds of the city, that the city will be responsible to pay. They will not be revenue bonds. However, it is also my understanding that um, that given the way the transaction with Stone was structured, uh, these bonds are not expected to be counted against, I guess is the way to phrase it, the city's uh, debt policy limit because of the presence of the capital lease between EDA and Stone, um, the uh, general obligation bonds are considered self-supporting debt. Now, I just wandered way over into financial stuff, uh, and I'm a lawyer, not a financial advisor or financial uh, analyst, so if I made any mistakes in how I described it, I think you need to call on the administration for additional explanation. Thank you for that. Thank you. Madam Chair, Yes. so there are two other things to consider with this one. And as you all know, um, they've proposed possibly um, amending the terms of the agreement. And, and that's exactly why I'm proposing that we um, hold off on this until Monday because we have those questions. Sure. They are going to be addressed in OD specific to the Stone Project, so we'd have sufficient information to decision relative to this item. So Anything then, else would cause a discussion here. Stone's not present. Staff's not. That was not so the case. So. I was going to suggest that we, we wait oh, but not take sorry. a consensus yet on this, but allow for it to still be considered, to not necessarily take it off the table, but for allow us to take it into consider and consideration. And I, I was not suggesting um, taking off the table later discussion. To, um, so the third thing that I was going to make 
reference to is um, Mr. Under- Adelesto, are we going to get into the merits of from no. your perspective? I'm okay. dealing with budget. I'm okay. trying to be very specific on budget okay. issues. As you can see, it's eight million seven hundred thirteen thousand one ninety six. The obligation of the contract is to provide eight million. There is seven hundred and thirteen thousand dollars here that is not obligated to be lent or paid for the stone phase two. So that is money that should or could be on the table for consideration by this body. Okay, Ms. Brown? Um, I just want to provide a little bit of clarification. The, the appropriation last year for 18 for the bistro was $8 million, but that also went into the account where it was the $23 million for the first phase, and so that's 700 the administration can confirm, but I believe that 700000 is the remaining balance from the first phase that hasn't yet been spent. So what, and, and in addition to that, um, if council wants to hold off on taking action on this, you know, that's the will of the body, but I will need a decision on this by no later than Wednesday. That's um, fine. Because we, will we would have our... to get the amendments ready for introduction on Monday the 7th. So we would not be able to wait until the 7th um, for a decision on this item. So I just want to make the time frame everyone aware of it. Okay, thank you. Um, Ms. Reed, I see you standing. Ms. Wack, Mr. Wack, I'm sorry. Good morning. John Wack, Director of Finance. I d- did want to clarify our plans are to issue um, general obligation taxable bonds for uh, the next phases of the stone development, the, the, the $8 million dollars. Uh, but that does have a funding source, and because we have the rental, we would be counting on the rental income to pay the debt service. That does not go towards our the, the city's debt capacity. We are able to exclude that when we're having discussions with rating agencies and so forth. Thank you. Um, I hear you, Ms. Um, Brown. Um, I would suggest that if this is outside of the time frame that we're trying to accomplish, that we schedule a meeting to. Uh, allow for the full discussion that folks ask to have relative to Stone, so before any decisioning. And I'll go to Ms. Larson and then Ms. Robertson. Can we get um, more clarification on the 713 Um, from the administration? I heard what, what our staff said about it, but is that just leftover funds from that phase one that uh, are just J- Jim Devoe will be stepping forward, uh, but again, any, any debt issued relative to this project would have to have a funding source, so um, we'd have to consider that separately. Jim Duvall, debt manager for the city. Um, the 713000 um, probably really should have been canceled. It was... Um, it was uh, from the first phase. Um, the, a portion of that uh, went to cover the cost of issuance um, and then also to make the first interest payment on that debt. So it was, uh, um, it was actually $23 million was borrowed. Stone is paying rent based on the $23 million and, uh, and, and the, the, uh, the specific uh, amounts were... Um, uh, the, for the cost of issuance and the first interest payment. So the 713 is 
left over and it was just carried over in the it, in the it was ECD. never dispersed it was never dispersed to the EDA it was used to pay for cost of issuance and the first interest payment um, because the rent hadn't begun when the first interest payment was came due so, so, so it's essentially un, unused spending authority, but because we don't have a funding source for that, we probably should just zero out that as, as a previously existing budget. Just a point of clarification here. 713196 is still remaining in an account. Is that correct? As unspent budget authority, however, if we authority, were Authority, but not dollars. We, we don't have dollars. We don't okay. have a funding source for it. Just right. wanted to be clear. Okay. Thank you. Ms. Robertson, and did you have a question for either of the administration staff? I don't have a question. I would... Um, well, before you go then, uh, before you comment, Ms. Reed, did you have anything you want to add? Well, thank you. Ms. Robertson. Uh, Madam Chair... In as much that we will be discussing this, this is not monies that are actually available. They are monies that would only be That's borrowed correct. to support this development. And so I would suggest that we eliminate this from uh, inclusion and in, that we vote on a consensus on this line item or delay it if we desire till after we have our meeting on Monday. Okay. Uh, Ms. Robertson has uh, put on the table, I was put an item on the table, but she's put one on the table that since this is not, these are not dollars, uh, in fact, um, if you want to um, consider simply addressing this now and removing this item at this point or to go forward with the meeting to allow for discussion, but we will have to have a special meeting in advance of OD to accommodate our schedule for introduction of papers, is what it's sounding like. Ms. Brown, is that correct? Whether council wants to have a special meeting is up to them to, I guess, discuss the papers. I just know that I need a decision on the amendment by no later than Wednesday. Um, in order to get everything ready for introduction on the 7th. Yes, so that would mean a special meeting because we, OD doesn't happen until the following week. So um, it's either a special meeting or if there's, can this be any opportunity to delay until Monday? Or as an alternative, we do have um, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday already scheduled for the budget um, Discussions, and so we could always also invite ECD, EDA um, to one of those meetings to have that discussion instead of having a completely separate special meeting, if that's the will. Um, I will um, have that discussion with the administration. Um, I'm, I must admit, I feel uh, we this would be a third change. We have asked uh, a national, international entity that has chosen our city uh, and flown people in. So um, I'll follow up with the administration in that regard uh, if, if it is the pleasure of, of, of uh, council members. 
Okay, so let me do this first. Let me just unbundle these things. All right, so first item, do we have consensus to take this reduction? Madam Chair, if, if I may. Yes. I conferred with the administration, the 713-196 authorization should be removed. It should be zeroed okay. out. We can't spend it, but it should be reflected in next year's budget that that money is not, not appropriated. So mm-hmm. I think that's appropriate. We can cut it. The $8 million needs to be separated as, as a Phase 2 allocation. Um, if we can go ahead and clean up some of the budget books, I think that would be appropriate. And deferring the conversation, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with the, the rest of the $8 million. I think that uh, I, I don't think there would be any issue with the clarification relative to the 713. Um, uh, that clarification has been um, made, but I also have um, on the table and I'll go forth as it is on the table with um, two things. I, do we want to take this reduction? I, and I'm not, it's a little strange because it's not really a reduction. It is not money that we, but this um, item as offered. Do we have consensus to uh, move forward with what is offered here? Okay. Well, it is not, it, it's not $8 million that's sitting someplace, so it's a little hard to, you know, get your arms around. From Madam but, Chairwoman, this, this is what I can offer since the city attorney opined that any member of council, or I guess the council by resolution, could reduce the CIP budget. We just couldn't reauthorize it. You know, if we get through this conversation at OD and it appears that the can I come the, back or something? That the okay. share of expenditures that the city is being asked to incur um, does not meet the same investment criteria as that the original agreement made. Uh, I would be coming back to you all with a, a the modification for the alternative seven, modification for the seven thirteen or whatever. for phase two. Is that okay? Okay. Thank you. Uh, so. Are we removing? We got no consensus to take that item. So to, removing the $8 million. That's and correct. Are we separating out the 713, so also, but keeping the 713 to reduce the authorization? Or just, but it's, huh? It looks like the entire, based on the consensus, the entire amount would come out. So that would eliminate the 713 and take it out of discussion. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Uh, and the last item, I believe, was an amendment uh, proposed by you, Council. I'm sorry. The 713 should remain as a reduction. That's the right. $8 million is being tabled for a later discussion. But the, it's not dollars. But it's We're not. no longer authorizing for them to draw down any of that money because it's not there to be drawn down. Right. That's. I think Ms. Brown just removed it from a reduction. Yeah, I was told that the whole That's thing exactly, to- you're correct, Ms. Brown. That's exactly what I said to you. But what I am, because it is not, they're not, they're not dollars there. And, you, and so what you're wanting to make the case is the authorization to be removed. Is that correct? We're removing the authorization and to which spend staff those dollars. Is in a, okay. Right. It's just cleaning okay. up. And is that a text amendment versus a... It's a, it is a numerical amendment. What, it's a numerical? 
numerical on that. Okay. So then um, the 713-196, um, can I get consensus on leaving that for the purpose of cleaning up this item? So it would be 713-196. That would remain there. Do I have consensus? Okay. All right. Thank you. Ms. Brown. Is Ms. Gray. Excuse me, Ms. Brown. Ms. Gray. So just for clarification, are we saying that since that Was authorization not, is being reduced that we are able to? It's not money. So for the purpose of this spreadsheet, isn't it counting towards available spending? No, since the funds can't be used for, and it doesn't have a funding source, it's just removing the authorization. So we'll just be actually reducing the entire CIP budget by the 713. So it can't be used to balance any of the other amendments. So should we just take it off the list? Well, that's what I was saying, but then... Okay. I mean, let's, not. I mean, let's based on what Alan has indicated. It needs. It's a numerical matter, so we need to address it in this way. Is that correct, Mr. Jackson? I mean, delete that line from the list because it's it's confusing to have it remain on the list of potential reductions. I, I understand we need Let's, to take care of it in a administrative way, but... But as opposed to a decrease, per se. Right. Because that's... Isn't that what this represents, our ability to... It does. Is this the best way to, in response to Ms. Gray's question, is what is the best way to... This is how I'd have to represent it on the actual amendments that get introduced, so... Okay. Okay. Next item. So are we keeping the eight, eight million as a further discussion, or did the eight million it come off? Came off the table, man. Okay, came off the table. Okay, so the next item is a five hundred dollar reduction as a cash transfer to help fund the budget, but with the amendments being balanced, um, this item it. is no longer needed. That's correct. And so the other, the last remaining what, item. What, what, before we go, Miss Gray. So. With respect to that, I think I have a similar question around that special lighting projects. Are you talking about Is that about one that falls under the same? 35, Ms. Gray? No. I'm just wondering administratively if, if it's showing up on a list as available, but the administration is saying it's not available. Um, I believe what Ms. Gray is referencing is that and I can't remember the exact dollar figure, but there's a... About $1.6 million or well, so. prior year available of a couple million in the street light um, special project account. And when Councilwoman Gray inquired as to the breakdown of those funds for which projects, it was indicated that uh, somewhere in the $1.5 or $1.6 even though it's showing as a balance available, that balance actually isn't available. And I think that's what you're looking to get yeah, clarification on. I'm confused if it was appropriated, how it's no longer available. I don't, I, I thought if it was appropriated, it's set out there against the debt capacity. But if it's, 
I'm, I'm confused. So, so um, anyone from administration can provide clarification in this matter? Vice President Bob Snydell, DC of Operations. Street lights, capital projects have always been in one or two capital projects, either special street lights or general street lights projects. So there's always been a capital project um, appropriation made for that. Now, we, we would put street light projects against the appropriations received every year. But they didn't always get done every year. So if we didn't have an appropriation, we should have been closing those projects out as we didn't have the appropriation to match them. So, so work got done in Streetlight, but it got done in other areas of the other projects were done. We should have been closing these projects out. We never did close them out. We're going through that process to close them out now. So if this okay, is an, I'm sorry, if this is an ongoing project that has really no end in sight, and it was appropriated for those special lighting projects. Well, these, these were all generals. These were not in the special street lighting category. No, this was the special lighting. I'm um, specifically... Oh, this is the special lighting categories, all, all the fan lighting that has appropriations, that has it's stayed. It's Carver, Fan, um, Carver, Carver is almost spent out. Everything that's in the special lighting stays with that project until it's complete. I think... What Councilwoman Gray is trying to get clarification on is that the project shows a prior year available about $3.5 million, and when we got the breakdown, one point, almost $1.7, it said unfunded prior year's appropriations not tied to specific projects. And I think Councilwoman Gray is trying to get clarification of how can you have unfunded prior year appropriations. Yeah, and I, I don't think that's quite the right way to say it. I think it, they are... That were that were considered, or they were projects. We did a project sheet on, but other projects took the first part of the money, and we never got to those projects. These are all general general street lighting projects. the The specials are all funded. These were appropriated to the special lighting fund, and they're showing up in that category, the three and a half million. But what I was told when we had our meeting was that. These funds are not available. It shows in the book as prior year available, but in the explanation, I was told it's not available. I am not familiar with this. Does this Wayne, did Wayne and Ken Cooper do this one? If, if you, I'll have to, I have to understand this. It was okay. provided so, by Jay Brown, so I'm assuming he got it from him. He probably got it from DPU. Let, 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 me, let me double check with He's DPU. Right here. Okay. Ms. Gray, um, if you would, yeah, you I just allow want to, for, for this to, them clarity, to come back uh, with clarification on this yeah, for this I afternoon. Mean, if I can just get some clarity, because I'm trying to understand if it was appropriated specifically for that special lighting, how it could have been closed out or moved to any other project or just not made available. 
Wayne Lassiter, Deputy Director, Public Utilities. Um, the, the appropriations were made for those special projects. The funding for those would, would come through uh, general obligation bonds, and those bonds were never issued. We never asked one to be issued, so the funding was never put in place to back up the appropriations. So The money was not moved to other projects. So, and I, so if we made an appropriation, like right now, we know what our maximum available debt is. And we're here saying, hey, I'd like to see this park renovation happen. And we vote and affirm that, and it makes it into our capital projects list. And you decide, hey, we're, we're not going to do that park project. Shouldn't that money still be available as, as available debt, even if you don't draw it down? Well, the appropriation is still in place. Like I said, the debt never was we, – we never created the debt. The money was never borrowed. But if the appropriation is still in place and it is going to be attached to other special street lighting or whatever council's will is – then we could borrow the uh, funds to back it. So it would be available for those projects? It could be, yes. Okay. okay. Thank you. With that, Ms. Gray, I'd like to go on and finish out these uh, two okay. items. And then if we, no, no, it's fine. And Thank if you. we need to come back, um, you know, in the second session, we can. Okay. Uh, Ms. Brown, next item. And I think that we were saying... Yes, the that last item is the proposed... Thank you, um, Mr. Lassiter and Mr. Steidel. Yeah. Is a proposed text amendment, um, and I'll hand it over to Bill. <clears throat> the proposed text amendment is at the back of your capital spreadsheet, and Megan's got it on the screen. It, yeah. Yes. Uh, the proposed text amendment is on the screen. The essence of it is to be more specific in terms of what would be the purpose of the scope of this capital project so that it would now read the planning, design, and construction of four schools to replace Green Elementary School, George Mason Elementary School, Elkhart Thompson Middle School, and George With High School. And that's consistent with what we understand to be the uh, plan from the school administration. Ms. Larson. Madam Vice, um, I'm supportive of this in concept because I, I, I understand um, what, that we're, we're trying to make sure what we've talked about, what we've heard from the public about um, ensuring that the funds go where they're supposed to. My concern with these four schools is my understanding of the plan right now is the plan exceeds the amount of money allocated. So if we put a text amendment with that, and the $150 million that's been allocated does not cover that, then the, the text isn't matching the funds. And that's where I feel like the schools need to have a plan that matches what our final allocation is for school 
construction, and I have a resolution that's coming before this body that asks the schools to do that, to put together a plan that matches the amount of money we've allocated. So I, I agree in putting the, a text amendment in that, that spells out that plan. My heartburn is that plan exceeds the amount of money. It is my understanding that right now the amount of money that we have for school construction allocated through the meals tax and the money that's already there exceeds what it costs to do those two elementary schools, the middle school and the high school. And the superintendent mentioned that in his comments when he was here a half hour ago. Mr. Jones. Uh, Madam Vice, I was just wondering if there's anyone from administration that could opine on this or the impact thereof. Ms. Coffey Glenn, thank you. Selena Coffey Glenn, CAO for the city. Uh, we agree with the um, text amendment being recommended by your staff. One of the things that's important for us, even if we don't get into the final numbers with construction for all of the schools, we still need to begin the planning and design no matter what. And if we're going to stay on schedule based upon what is required, uh, uh, I think the superintendent and the board did uh, submit some dates that they're looking to back in uh, when they would like to have schools coming online, especially the elementary and then the middle schools. Uh, this certainly, the dollars, I think, from what the city attorney and I have discussed, currently available, will not allow us to do what's required with the design and planning. So those are things you still need to do, even though we need to figure out the final numbers uh, as it relates to the high school costs. Um, so there are a couple of things, and it's hard to bifurcate, uh, but there are a couple of things that need to acquire, need to happen. Planning design, uh, that's one, and then construction. Uh, but without having the authorization, I think we're limited in how we can use some of the dollars that were made available uh, by the council a couple of years ago. Ms. That is Co my understanding, and certainly I defer to the city attorney. Ms. Coffey Glenn, just a quick question. Uh, we are talking about the $14 million. That's correct. There not are the funds about $14 for maintenance and repair. Just want to be clear. Yes, there's a okay. category called planning, design, and right. construction. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Uh, any other comment? Might I have consensus on this item? Do we have consensus now? We, okay. Could I see hands, please? I'm sorry. Okay. Thank you. Ms. Brown, if you will close us out. That is all that we have for CIP, and CIP is balanced, and we will work with city attorneys to get those to begin to balance. Thank you. Uh, we will uh, resume at 1. Uh, Ms. Okay. Gray, you had a question? I'm sorry. Are we, um, are we done, completely done with CIP? Because I would like to respectfully ask if my colleagues would consider um, generalizing the language for the Abner Clay Park funding so that some of those funds could potentially be used to help move along the Scott's Edition project as well. So just to say... So would the, you be able to work with staff to bring that back for the second sure. half since we're coming back into budget session? 
Sure. And then we could entertain it there. Okay. Thank okay. you. Thank you. With that, the session is adjourned. And I'll see you at one.
Madam Clerk, we will now call the second budget work session of Richmond City Council to order. If you would proceed with the uh, evacuation announcement. Yes, ma'am. The evacuation announcement goes as follows. Upon activation of the emergency alarm signal, all persons should immediately exit the building. Please use the exits to the left or right front of the council chambers or the east or west stairwell outside the rear doors of the chamber. Do not use elevators or escalators. After exiting the building, proceed to the assembly area located in the parking lot bordered by Clay, 8th and 9th Streets. Citizens and employees should assist visually in hearing impaired visitors with exiting the building. Adhering to council's rules of procedure, everyone in attendance should be seated at this time. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Uh, Ms. Brown, when we left the last work session, uh, Ms. Gray had a text amendment uh, that she wanted to make relative to her parks. You see her there? No? Okay. So then um, let's proceed with the uh, amendments. We have five ones in the restroom. We'll proceed with the amendments for revenue. Okay. Um, yeah, and we'll come back to Ms. Gray once she's here. Okay. And Ms. Oh, Ms. Robert. Okay, I'm sorry. There's a second text amendment. So Ms. Robertson had um, one as well. Uh, yes, ma'am. Um, for the uh, Bellmead paving, I wanted to adjust the language. Uh, to include, uh, we had requested that the language was just to include sidewalks, um, sidewalks, green space, and the uh, sixth district. So and just, to, just, so just to be clear, you want the language to go from street paving and sidewalks, Bellmead. And instead, you would like it to read six district street paving and sidewalks. And green space. And green space. Thank you. Thank you. Right. So we will proceed with the revenue, and we'll come back to Ms. Gray once she's here. She's on her way. She's, yeah, we'll come back to, yeah, so she can make her text amendment as well. Uh, Ms. Brown. Yes, so moving on to uh, the general fund amendments. Currently, right now, uh, the general fund is out of balance by approximately $2.5 in both fiscal years. Um, and so per the procedures, we plan to start with the revenues and have those discussions. So the first... Ms. Brown, one second. Ms. Robertson. Brown. She's going to uh, get started on revenues first item. Um, so, um, Madam Pres Vice President, uh, as it relates to revenue and trying to balance out the general fund budget, I think that we have also received a letter of certification from the administration as it relates to increase in revenue for uh, um, um, uh, real estate values uh, that has been certified by the administration. And my question is whether or not that is included in the revenue 
at the present time what we're looking at? Uh, the $2.5 million that were out of balance doesn't yet include what the mayor has certified. Okay. Um, so, uh, Madam Vice President, I would like for us to um, accept the uh, certified letter uh, for additional revenue that has been done um, by the administration and add that in as revenue at the present time uh, to begin the process of balancing out of the general fund. And that, that's, uh, that would, if we went down to item number three, it would be a correction on the 2.6 because it's 2.13. Is that correct? Uh, correct. The, what the administration has thus certified was the 2.13 um, million. And so um, I can, when I enter that in now, the certification was only for fiscal year 19 and mm -hmm. no certification was given for fiscal year 20. Um, taking that into account, the certification, um, that brings the fiscal year 19 um, amendments, we would be out roughly about 400000 and then in 20, we would still be at a balance by $2.5 million. Okay. Thank you. So, the, yes. Okay, can we get an explanation from uh, administration why the certification is not at the level that uh, our staff uh, calculated it to be and, and the assessor to my understanding as well as why we have not gotten uh, certification for uh, the next budget year, uh, yes. that would be helpful. Thank you. So we're, we are starting with item number three. Uh, okay, and then we'll go back up. Uh, to uh, the top of the page. And so, um, Ms. Huffy-Glenn, I'm not sure which of your staff persons would uh, speak to this, but we'd appreciate uh, an opportunity to hear from you relative to the amount that's being certified for, uh, by the administration versus what staff had uh, looked at and what you see as the difference here. And, uh I need to know where the spreadsheet is that we're looking this at. This is revenue, um, starting on page 9 in our new packet. I'm sorry, Ms. Gray, I didn't Thank you. announce that. And we will come back, um, Ms. Gray, to your text amendment. We didn't forget that either. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Good afternoon. Mr. Wack, thank John you. Wack, Director of Finance. Um, when, when staff received the additional information from the assessor yesterday, we went through the entire real estate uh, tax projection model and looking at all the collection factors, including um, how much we were going to allow for rehab credits and, and, and tax relief, came up with the, the $2.13 million. Um, I am also comfortable uh, increasing the revenues in 2020 by $4,650,000. I did not include that in the certification letter because the certification letter is really intended to go to the, the city attorney to allow an amendment to the 2019 budget. Okay. So 2.13 in 19 and 4,650? Uh, yes, ma'am. Okay. Questions? Yes, 2.1. Mr. Wack, if you would repeat those, please. The, the, the number in the letter for fiscal year 2019 is $2,130,000 in additional real estate. 
It's on the screen. <laughs> Instead of the 26, the 2.6, that's Correct. on line three, it would be the 2.13. Sorry. Okay. Any other question, comment? Ms. Gray. So the 4 million, I know I'm jumping ahead to 2020, but is there a breakdown of what that represents and are we able to just put it on the spreadsheet so it doesn't so we can carry the increases that need to be carried the four million six hundred fifty thousand is based on a number that was provided by the city assessor for the projected uh, taxable assessed values in 2020 um, I don't believe the number any new information came yesterday relative, relative to 2020 and, and this is taking into account the collections? Yes, ma'am. So you've lowered the amount based on collection data? No, ma'am. Just looking at all the factors, um, I'm, I'm not sure. I haven't seen the, like, again, just, just looking at, at all the different revenue sources. The land book includes several categories, new construction, taxable values, the State Corporation Commission, and, and, and so forth. Uh, and the, and, and, and applying the collection rate, we, we came out at $4.65 million. Okay. And is there a category for abatements that are rolling off the books in that? Uh, the way the information is provi provided by the city assessor, he projects an amount of abatements, and it, and it varies from year to year. So I believe that's a combination of abatements coming off the books, and then I, I assume he's assuming so new applications. An, it's the net amount. That, that's a question for the assessor. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. If you would, uh, Ms. Brown, we'll go back to the top with those adjustments in mind. Yes. Uh, yes. If we go back to the top, can we, based on balance, you want can to see I the calculation as to where okay. we are based on sure. the increased revenue added? So with that information, fiscal year 19 um, is still out of balance by roughly 400000 and fiscal year 20, actually, um, we have more revenue than we have increases by $2.1 million. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Item number one. Yes. Item number one um, is basically just bringing the committed fund balance that council um, did through ordinance last year for the uh, retirement. So that just brings it over into 20 and then, or I'm sorry, 19, and then there's nothing for 20. The second amendment, it was originally thought that we could gain additional revenue um, for funding additional assessor positions. However, those positions, once they get funded, will only provide more revenue in 20. And so right now we can't recommend actually putting any additional revenue for those um, as a result of the funding those positions, but it's still highly recommended that we fund the positions so that we can bring in additional revenue in 20. Uh, moving on to item number four is a proposed amendment by Councilwoman Robertson to increase vehicle license revenue um, by 1.2 uh, million. Okay, just a quick question there. That would be um, by an additional $7, I think. And um, any question or concern there? I'm sorry. Vehicle license, ve yes, I'm sorry. 
vehicle license fee to match the state maximum. Okay. Um, um, did you want to? And so I, I think that we are waiting for uh, uh, response from the attorney, but what the reason why that is added there, uh, we know that there are other local governments that their vehicle license fees um, are $7 difference in what we collect. And based on the fees that we collect, if we were collecting at the same rate that Henrico, uh, Chesterfield, and uh, some other localities are charging, that would generate an additional $1.2 million in the budget. However, um, we've had conversation, I've had conversation with the attorney in regards to this to, to understand why we are not able to make those uh, same rates uh, as others surrounding us are. And I've not been able to uh, convince the attorney that he would just be helping us out a lot if we would find a way to make this um, uh, equitable um, in the metropolitan area. Um, and to this date, I have not gotten a confirmation. So I guess Mr. Mr. Attorney Jackson would have to help us out with this one. Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. We did a preliminary opinion, um, concluded that the fee could not be increased. We've since been supplied with a different analysis, uh, and we are reviewing that. Um, we believe that the differences may be attributed to timing. Um, the current statute that authorizes imposition of a fee and fixes a maximum was amended in 2007. Um, and so we're exploring the possibility that those jurisdictions that have a higher fee imposed the higher fee at a time before the uh, statute fixing the current maximum was put in place. But again, we don't have any final conclusions yet. I've got one of my lawyers working on it. And as soon as I have that and had a chance to review it, I'll get back to the council just as fast as I can. Thank you, Mr. Jackson. So how quickly do you think we will be able to um, get a review? Because we're still aiming to get this. Tell me again, Ms. Brown, when we're trying to get this introduced on um, by Wednesday. Yeah, everything has to be balanced by Wednesday. Okay. I'll have With it, that? I'll have it by Monday. Okay. Thank you. He will have uh, a um, review completed by Monday. Okay? And so we will just hold it here until we can get some indication of whether or not it is, and hopefully it is, uh, allowable in our instance as in other localities. Ms. Gray. Is there information about how this would impact an individual citizen? what the average increase would be in those personal property taxes? This is vehicle uh, license, so it would be an additional $7. So For each would, vehicle? 
Yes, we'd be going yeah. from 33 to 40, which is the maximum allowable in the Commonwealth at this point. At least or, that's, the, that's the fee that's being charged by local governments in our region and, is, and especially in the metropolitan area. So, um, yes, you know, um, when I go to get uh, my uh, vehicle license fee currently today, I, you and I are paying $33, whereas Henrico and Chesterfield residents are paying 40 And that's been that way for quite some time. Okay. And when we say license fee, you mean the actual... State license tax? Are we talking the decal that we no longer produce? It's identified as vehicle license, uh, and so um, so it's it's the stickers we used to pay for. Right, right, yes. That has to be. Let's make sure we have the clarification. So, Ms. Brown, if you would, you were saying something. I believe it's on the registration fee. On the vehicle registration fee that we pay to the state, not. Okay. Mr. Wack, do you have clarification here? <laughs> um, it, it, I believe the, the code may reference it as a vehicle license tax. I often refer to it as a vehicle license fee because it's not based on the value of a vehicle. But um, for our city code, we're, we're matching what the state, the state, the Commonwealth, the MV charges to register a vehicle. Um, so that would be yeah, a per vehicle charge, and if it, uh, using the example, it may go up seven dollars per vehicle um, registered in the city. Thank you, Ms. Trammell. Um, I appreciate what my colleagues doing, but when we say that the surrounding counties charge more and we're charging less, well, that's a good thing. At least that's one thing I can go around saying. At least the city is charging less. But if we raise it, then I have to say, well, we raised it because Chesterfield and Michael did. Well, we have to match them. Okay. Um, not and in, uh, I'm not in favor of at it. this point, because we don't know that it can be changed, I am just suggesting that we hold off until we get the opinion from um, Mr. Jackson, and then we can consensus either way. Okay. But duly noted. Thank you. Ms. Brown. Yes, the uh, next item is a proposal to increase the courthouse security fee from $5 to $10, which would equate to additional revenue of about $85,983. This revenue has to go to support um, courthouse or sheriff's personnel for courthouse security. (laughs) So although we will, if if it's agreed to to increase the fee, um, what will happen on the Reduction and increase side is I'll have to reduce, well, increase the sheriff's budget, but then also do a reduction so that it nets out zero, but it balances to show that that revenue is going to support the sheriff's budget. Ms. Trammell. I don't understand exactly what what is the feeds. Is this um, courthouse security feed from who pays that? Um, individuals who um, are that go to court. I'm sorry. What individuals who go to court that um, are convicted pay 
They only pay $5 if they get convicted? For, as, for part of the courthouse security, yes. We can't raise a little bit more than that. $10 is the maximum that the state allows. <laughs> All right, thank All right. you. Any other questions or comments? Uh, do, so this is moving from 5 to $10 on the courthouse security fee. Um, can I see if we have a consensus on that item? We do not. Okay. We, okay. Uh, the next two items are actually competing am amendments. Um, both is to reduce the meals tax um, in fiscal year 19 and 20 uh, with regard to a seller's commission on the meals tax. One amendment is proposing a 1.5% 1. 1. in 19 and 3% in fiscal year 20, and the other amendment is proposing a 3% in both fiscal years 19 and 20. So, I, Miss um, Gray, do you, since this is one, sure. and then I'd like to hear from the administration so I can be absolutely clear about the implications of this. So, just um, to be clear, this is not. Um, to address the recent meals tax. I think the recent meals tax increase was a tipping point for restaurants within the city who um, currently pay a 3% charge on the taxes they collect for the city when they're, um, or on average, 3% with credit card fees. Um, the county of Henrico automatically rebates 3% of the fees remitted for meals taxes within the county. And I understand in the counties, meals taxes cannot be implemented without a referendum. So um, this was part of their overall referendum. For us, there seems to be not a whole lot of rules around how quickly a new tax can come online and um, between introduction and adoption. And um, this came up during the conversation of the increased meals tax because it's one and a half cents on a meal, but, but of the six cents, that one and a half cents represents a 25% increase and the amount of fees that the restaurant owners will be paying on the actual tax. So, um, you know, for many of them, it represents, you know, additional workers that they could hire. Um, there are other costs involved with administering the collection of the tax on top of the credit card fees and to stay competitive with our county. I mean, Chesterfield has no meals tax, but Henrico County, um, I think it's important for us to stay comparable with what they're charging and rebating. On average, a new restaurant, 80% of new restaurants fail in the first five years. And the margins for restaurants are typically somewhere around 5%. So what seems like 
lot, not a lot of funds to have to pay credit card fees on top of a tax that has to be remitted to the locality is insult to many of the restaurant owners who are really working to build our city up. Any other, Mr. Addison and then Ms. Larson? I'm sorry, size hand first. Thank you, Vice Chair Newbill. Um, this is something that came up throughout many of my conversations during the meals tax debate, and I um, definitely support what the outcome is trying to achieve with this um, discount to support local small businesses to be successful, especially when you have a high credit card transaction volume such as restaurants and putting a burden on an industry such as restaurants and other food prepared food vendors in our city to capture this additional revenue is a cost. And as uh, Councilwoman Gray um, put really well and stated really well is that this is a burden we're putting on businesses to pay money to capture our new money. And to the extent of which this looks as an impact for this economy of restaurants and prepared food vendors in our city, a $1.4 million charge and payment that they're making to capture our money is a significant amount of money. And that's jobs, that's investment, that's new potential businesses that can go to a lot of different areas to either create new revenues, more revenues, or to support us being more attractive to being um, a business-friendly city. Uh, one of the challenges I have um, with the, the current structure of these proposals is that it's uh, I don't like using revenues to offset revenues. I think revenues should be used to invest in things to support us being more advantageous and capturing these revenues. When you look at the process of how the city of Richmond receives payments from our all tax sources, we have staff down below us right now in the Department of Finance that are processing checks and cash payments. We have staff that are receiving salaries and benefits, and we don't have any increase in charge for what that looks like to work with the city to pay us bills. But if you were to look to pay a, line, a bill online, there's a vendor charge, there's a fee associated with that. We pass that on back to the customer. When you eat at a restaurant, that's not the way it works. It's part of how you do it. You pay by cash, the same amount as you pay by credit card. The problem we have is that we need to be pushing this um, initiative, which I feel like is a huge benefit of that 3% rebate discount, not as a revenue push, but as an operational improvement to making us more competitive in 21st century and accountable and consistent. I think we should look at this um, initiative as a way of really reducing delinquent payments by pushing this as an incentive to make people pay on time. So if you pay on time within the first window of your due date, you get this benefit. If you don't, you get a fee and interest. That will help, I think, address a lot of the concerns of offsetting that $1.4 million. I also want to look at some of the figures that relate to the fact that we have over $3 million of delinquent and um, taxes for meals tax currently on the books right now. Any portion, even 25% is half of that amount. And if we're able to capture that without it being late, I think that could drastically reduce what that number could look like. My point is, I don't want to use revenues that we're capturing to offset this. So while we just looked at revenues before about the new assessed values um, from the assessors for real estate, I think that should go to investing in things we need to take care of to address and advance our city forward, not offsetting this fee or giving back to a business. I want to give them that benefit, but use this as a way to drive changes to fix how we deal with our customers. So one of the things I think would be an interesting fact to look at is, what is the current front finance office staff turnover and vacancy rate per year? Because I feel like a lot of times with the high volume of work they have to do, dealing with two systems of Munis and dealing with uh, Rapids, de depending on the intake of the process they're dealing with, you're having a high volume of work, and we're pushing our businesses to have to do everything by cash and check. 
And we're putting a lot of that burden on our staff to do that. We pay a lot of money for that. We as a city are paying a lot of money to process these payments. The more online and digital these can be, the easier it is to track how much this money is coming in, make sure they're getting that rebate accurate to what they're, they're capturing in terms of sales revenue, and being able to be more accountable. I would much rather put some of these savings into investing in that improvement of efforts so that when you look at the new munis upgrade we have on the books right now for part of our investment next year, it includes online payments. It includes the things we need to see because that's what's going to drive our city forward. I really don't want like using a revenue capture piece to offset another revenue piece. I really want to make sure we look at capturing as much revenue as possible and use this way of really driving our city forward. I feel like this opportunity, what was presented to us by the business community, is a great chance to do that. So what I'm trying to get at is I think we can look at operational efficiencies and cuts, improving delinquent tax capture, and if that's not going to be the case, it really drastically pushing the fees and interest that are if you're late so you don't get the 3% discount would offset this $1.4 million per year. Thank you. Ms. Larson. Um, I also just wanted to um, support what Councilmember Addison was saying about this being offered to folks that pay their meals tax on time. I support that. Um, I also support uh, Ms. Gray's proposal and rolling it out over two years, I think makes sense. Um, I guess what Councilmember Addison was just saying about, you know, where this comes from, did, did you put forward those cuts that would cover it at the... I saw some... No, I didn't introduce any papers of this level because I didn't have the process of the program figured out yet. And so I knew that by injecting it this way, I'd be offsetting a revenue, and I couldn't find in the two months we've had to really figure out this process and then having meetings with the administration and staff to discuss options of which to offset this 1.4. You know, we were discussing those options of which to do so, and I hadn't had a chance to put into the budget because... I didn't want to offset a revenue with a revenue, and I knew that was probably the only way it was going to happen, given the way that we're currently looking at it. So that was why I didn't put one in. Okay. Any other? Um, okay. I guess that's, that's all I have to say. Okay. Thanks. So I have uh, two questions. I'd like to really see the projections for what additional costs are being borne by restaurants number one. I'd really like to understand that. Um, and if somebody uh, at the administrative side has projected, I, I just don't have a sense of that yet. And then the other side of this, which is equally, if really more critical, what impact does this have on our goal of providing $150 million for new construction for schools, if there is a set aside from this, um, uh, these dollars raised. So, if those two, do you have? Yes. And so, while someone from administration so, is coming, well, so Ms. Gray, yes. This does not in any way reduce the allocation towards the school construction fund. That nine million dollars is already in the budget. Protected. There is no um, discussion around the reduction in that amount. These are new monies that would go to support all of those restaurants 
who have these fees that um, they are incurring um, with the collection of the tax. It's customary in most localities that that fee that fees are rebated back. Um, there's there's also um, the point of um, that we have over 200 restaurants that employ more than 10,000 people, and this, in comparison to some of the economic development deals for 200 jobs here or few jobs there, is it pales in comparison to the amount of money that um, this council, uh, prior councils, have invested into singular restaurant ventures that are getting millions of dollars. So um, this is to help every single restaurateur in the city and relieving them of some of the cost of collecting a tax for us as a locality. So, Ms. Gray, just a point of clarification. So this would be new meals tax revenue above and beyond the one? No, this would be offset by new revenue. Okay. All right. And I um, think Bill, Bill and has a Mr. comment. Wack. Okay. To clarify, the way the city code currently reads, the the way the city code currently reads, one fifth of the total pot of meals tax money that's collected, so twenty percent, goes to the school construction fund. If you do this, you, as you're doing a, an ordinance to allow for this um, seller's commission on meals tax collections, that, that ordinance would have to make a small adjustment to that 80%, 20% distribution so that you hold the school funding whole and the general fund would bear the full reduction. But it's a very small tweak. Instead of instead of twenty percent going to the school construction fund, it would need to be twenty point three percent. So instead of reading a fifth, you'd have to do it as a percentage and a decimal point. But that's all it would require. I hear you, uh, and maybe my math is a little different. I just want to make sure, under no circumstance, would the schools receive less than one hundred and fifty million dollars for new construction. If in if this the, scenario. If the ordinance is written correctly, and I trust the city attorney's office to do so, then there would be no impact on the revenues supporting the $150 million in bonds. If, okay. You want to uh, hand out the spreadsheet? Yes. There's, there's, I've worked up a spreadsheet that shows the numbers. It's, again, it's a very small. Right now, the, the city code says that 20%, one-fifth, which is 20%, goes to the school construction fund. And the ordinance would have to amend that to say instead of 20, 20.3 goes, goes to the school construction fund. That's, that's the only thing that would be required to, to hold the school construction fund whole. Okay. Uh, Ms. Reed, uh, Mr. Wack. Good afternoon. Again, John Wack, Director okay. of Finance. Or was yes. another call? No, go on. I'm sorry. Um, yes, re reading the the ordinance uh, 2018-017 that was adopted, I, I am required to um, only credit one-fifth of the amount so collected to the reserve. Um, so if there was a 3% teller's commission, the 1.5% meals tax would not generate $9.1 It would generate 3% less than that. 
Um, and, and I guess and, and I, I heard a question about what might be the impact to restaurants. Uh, if there is a $9 million, let's say there's $9 million more that the restaurants are, are collecting to remit taxes, and if they're paying 3% uh, credit card fees and they receive no cash whatsoever in their business, that would be about $270,000 a year impact, which is uh, much less than this. Um, but I, and, I, and I did want to, want to point out I'm, I'm a little concerned about, about the precedent of um, the city allowing a 3% seller's commission or 1.5%. Um, for example, hotels uh, accept credit cards. They, they remit an 8% lodging tax. Uh, our th- theaters and uh, uh, event venues uh, collect, take credit cards and, and, and remit 7% admissions taxes, so just a little bit of a, um, again, a, a precedent there I'd be a little concerned with. Okay. Ms. Reed, did you, and I'll come to you, Ms. Addison, next. Lenore Reed, DCAO Finance and Administration. Uh, I know we've cited that other localities actually provide this commission. Uh, when Henrico did it through referendum, uh, it was actually a plus for them because they were going from zero dollars in meals taxes to whatever they could collect in meals taxes. For us, uh, since we've been collecting meals taxes for over 20 years, closer to 25 years, we have relied on that revenue. So any commission we give back, not saying that it's a good idea, bad idea, we'll have to find a source of revenue to plug that hole because it's part of what the city uses as its need. Um, with that being said, if we were to move forward um, and then hold schools harmless, because technically the ordinance states of the amount that schools would get would be one-fifth of what we collect, we would then collect less. And so if we move that to general fund, then we will have an imbalanced budget, just wanting that we would need to find a source of revenue to make general fund whole. Uh, Mr. Addison. Um, thank you, Vice Chair Newbill. I definitely um, appreciate and validate what you are saying in terms of other industries pursuing the same kind of benefit that we're looking to put here. Um, that's kind of one of the challenges we have is that, you know, it is all over the country we have businesses pushing things to be done online, digital, because it's EA more accountable, it's consistent, it's immediate revenue capture. There's less people, hands involved. There's less chance of problems with capturing the accurate amount, tracking the cash, entering the numbers incorrectly, et cetera, when you do payments on online, ACH, credit debit cards, whatever. Um, and so for me, I think that's kind of one of the initiatives is that the more you push people to do payments online, the cheaper it is for us to capture that revenue. The less staff we need to be worrying about that issue. And given some of the challenges we have with turnover, vacancy, and money departments, I think that there's opportunities for us to look at this as a more business-friendly strategy overall. Pushing more online payments for businesses would be great for us to get more money on time, to not worry about you know, payments being lost or, or missing, et cetera, but also to make sure we're getting all the money we, we deserve and need to capture. The easier you make it to pay the city of Richmond, the more money we'll get, from parking tickets, utility bills, to 
meals tax, BPOL tax, you name it, business licenses, the more online we get for these operations, the better we'll be as a city. The less delinquent taxes we'll have, the less money we won't be capturing. And so for me, what I'm trying to emphasize through this initiative is that pushing this beyond just this one benefit for restaurants, I think the timing of it, given the meals tax increase, is, is key. We're putting a burden on them. Giving them a benefit back would be helpful in helping us do a big need for helping fix schools. But I want to look at this as a stance of going, how can we make this be an impact for improving our city hall operations overall? Because the infrastructure investment needs technologically to do this the right way with online service payments being captured by the city all needs to be encompassed with this plan. I think 3% discount for high credit card transaction companies would be a huge benefit to everybody. And I want to be able to push that. And I think that's lowering a cost of operating for us as a city that can really drastically improve our operations, accountability, and being more modern. So that's one of the things I struggled with was I feel like this is an operational improvement justification of the $1.4 million if we look at this on a bigger scale of what we're changing as a city. And I think that that's one of the things right now is a good, good time to look at is what investments do we need to make to allow for this transition? Because I think the more online payments we do, depending on what industry you want to look at, the better we're going to capture revenue. So that's one of the things I'm trying to juggle and balance is that this is a great program initiative. How do we fund it? It's going to be the key part of how we do it, the best decision. I'd rather use the revenues that we're looking to offset this with to invest in those things so that we're saving money across the board because we're having less auditing, less going back and fixing problems, less payment, et cetera. So that's just one of the things I want to propose to the body of nine is to think about that as we move forward. Thank you. Ms. Gray? So one of the other things that I've um, learned in discussions with many of these um, local restaurants are that they are being heavily recruited and lured with opportunities within um, the counties. And um, there are, there's a shift and away from the franchisees and the chain restaurants. Even if um, you were to go out to Short Pump, you'll see a lot of our local restaurant owners branching out into those areas. So in order for us to stay competitive and we've become a foodie town destination, I think it's important for us to put ourselves in a competitive stance with our surrounding localities. Um, it's harder when you have a higher meals tax. I understand the need for the tax and, and what it provides for us as a locality, but I do think that um, it is a economic incentive for them to remain in within our city limits, and um, they do employ thousands and thousands of our citizens within the restaurant industry. So, Thank you. Um, I still am not um, clear in terms of how did we come up with 1.5 versus 3.0, what is it based on? Did we look at the actual cost for our businesses to uh, administer this additional 1.5% and so, to submit to? I mean, did, is there a spreadsheet? Did we, where are the numbers this is based, to justify this, uh, this amount? This is based on the average credit card fee charged. Okay, so and is that schedule someplace? I just want to look at the schedule that's been prepared that 
takes into because I don't have other than the credit card charges. What else is there, and what are those dollar amounts? This might be too low. I, I don't know. So it's customary between two and five percent these fees with other localities. The same thing with the cigarette tax. Um, no. So it's what I'm trying- two to five percent. What each locality typically customarily allows the collector to retain for their administrative cost. Okay. But there is no set. All of those credit card amounts are negotiated between the vendor and the business. And um, so there's no set amount. No, I wasn't um, looking but for this a is set based amount as the, much as trying, what is the real amount, uh, whatever that is. So if, if it's 2%, 3%, whatever the average amount, what is the real, the burden? What I'm trying to get to is what is the burden to our businesses and tr- that we're tr- so that I, that's it. This is based on credit card fees, but there are other cost and calculating, administering, and remitting these taxes. So um, the real cost, I would venture to say, for most of our restaurant owners is higher than 3%. This is, um, the 3% is based on what Hemrico affords restaurants. So, you know, each person is different, but and each restaurant is different, but it takes quite a lot of manpower for a smaller mom-and-pop restaurant to, to do all this and, and to still run a business day-to-day. Okay. And maybe I, I'm going to let this go because I'm really just trying to see when you open a business, even if we didn't have a tax in places um, like just so okay. there is data. so there's a cost. So I'm trying to get at what is that additional burden, so that we're looking at that because we were not intending to do that. So I'm just trying have to get you, my arms around it versus what. So that's it. And maybe, so have you gotten any information, or have you met with the retail merchants? I don't have anything that delineates uh, that shows me numbers. Okay. I mean, if you have something, you- I'd be happy. Did you did you get a meeting with the Retail Merchants Association um, and any restaurants? It might have been a while back, but again, I have this was way back when to talk about nothing recent and nothing that provided any information about the burden on our businesses. Okay, they do have data on that that I can okay find I'd and get for you. Be happy to see that. Okay. Okay. Mr. Addison. Vice Chair Newbill, I think to address kind of your a little bit of your question, you're looking at it from the business standpoint. Um, in order to capture the proposed $46 million in total meals tax revenue next year, uh, restaurants are going to sell about $600 million worth of food and prepared food citywide. So $600 million to do that. Now, if you take that total amount for a restaurant owner citywide, that's about $18 million they're going to spend just to capture that money if all those are done by credit card. So our businesses are going to spend about $18 million as part of their operations to capture revenue by credit card. Because 3% of all those transactions done by, by credit card swiping are going to amount to that. And if you think about every time you use your credit card, that little fee gets associated with every transaction. So if, there's, if we're, as a, as a community, supporting a restaurants with buying $600 million worth of prepared food and beverages, 
the restaurants are having to absorb about 18, 17, 18 million dollars of expense to capture that revenue for their own costs and the taxes you have to collect as well. It's all included in that. So that helps break it down a little bit that they're paying that fee overall for the entire operation. We're just trying to give them back that 1.4 million of capturing our money, our portion of that bill to help offset their operations to support their capturing a revenue for us. Because honestly, their success is what's going to make our bill to pay that debt for those schools possible. So helping them be successful is a key move for us. That's, that's, does that help explain a little bit better? I mean, it's... No, the, I'm not, not understanding the, that point. I'm wanting to see real numbers in terms of what the cost of business opens. There is costs, whether they're in Chesterfield. What is the cost for that business? They're not collecting any tax or meals tax in this way. I'm just trying to see what is the real burden, and then how do we then looking at how we address that and provide incentive. That's it. And if there is a spreadsheet already, I can just, I mean, you can just share, or or Ms. Gray, if you have, I don't want to take more time to look at it, but I just have not seen anything that showed exactly what that burden is, because we were not intending that for businesses. It was going to pass to the consumer. So with that, any other questions? Yes. No, the only thing I'd like to add, if if I may, and I'm sorry I missed the first part of the discussion. Um, I had some things to tend to, but the city has... um, a delinquent tax account, and it's something that a few years ago was fairly significant. And uh, I think what I understood is the most current balance uh, for the meals tax category is around $3.5 million, and that's a snapshot in time of one month. That was, I think, January or February of this year. If you look at month after month after month of, of the delinquencies, and you can tie this into if you make your tax payment on time, you will receive this benefit. If you do not, then you don't receive the benefit. It actually helps the city in its collection efforts, which means that we're not necessarily having to uh, go and do third-party collections or or really try to do much more staff time on that. Um, and, uh, and I think <clears throat> if we can make it a little bit more efficient for the businesses to remit... Uh, and we could encourage them to do it in a process that may be more automated, that, again, is going to take less staff time, meaning they're not bringing papers down here with paper checks that require deposit that, you know, we're telling them, hey, you'll get the 3%, but you've got to do a wire transfer. You've got to do a direct deposit. There are ways that this money, this incentive fund, can, in fact, pay for itself through the efficiencies and the the remittance of what are currently uh, just being classified as as delinquent taxes. So I hope that you all might consider how the whole system operates and not just simply see this the way I heard, what the way I read this. There's, they're calling it a seller's commission. I'm just reading it. As yeah, I know. I, I don't know if I would classify it as a seller's commission. Um, so I think you know choice of language can posture things differently, but uh, I hope that you all would see that this could be a way of not just modernizing things, but also um, supporting our local businesses. Um, The last thing I will mention on this front is we ask a lot of of people, and I think 
one thing has always been said about how do we help and support our businesses. And we know that we have some of the highest taxes in the region. And if you were to look at a restaurant and to look not just at what they have to pay for the meals tax, but what all the other taxes are, one of the things um, that I've also been advised of is that restaurants in Richmond are not classified the same as in other jurisdictions as it relates to BPOL for the business personal and occupation license tax. Um, BPOL tax is a very significant contribution to the city, and they have different taxing rates based on how you fit into the categorization. And um, frankly, uh, I think the restaurants have been categorized as uh, service rather than retail. Uh, and I think you can uh, make an argument that when other jurisdictions classify them differently for BPOL, it has a major impact. So look at what other taxes the restaurants do contribute um, and then see where, where can we support and where can we incentivize. And I think that this could, frankly, help more on the incentivization. Thank you. Thank you. So this is not a seller's commission, basically, from what you've described. This is a seller's incentive of sorts. That's what you've just said. Because that's why I was asking if it was a commission, what, to, uh, what was the actual cost? But we're saying never, that's not what this is. It's really an incentive to our businesses I never to call, pay early, yeah, I preferably. think this is somebody else's terminology, seller's commission. Um, but the way we have talked about it is for timely payments. And if you don't pay right. uh, by the due date, then you're not eligible for the rebate. So seller's rebate or, okay. Madam, or, Madam Vice President. Yes. Point okay. of clarification. And, and the okay. city attorney can clarify even further than I because this is based on a discussion with them. The Code of Virginia is very specific in what it allows the city to do. And it is a commit. The Code of Virginia is very specific on what it allows the city to do in this regard. It allows a commission to be paid. It does not reference a rebate or any other mechanism. And the city attorney can clarify that further uh, than I can. Okay. So, but what was just described, um, because I was trying to get to, again, what is the actual, so it's not to offset the cost of pulling, it is to incentivize businesses to pay early, the t that basically. Right. Okay. Mr. Um, well, cause there may be further clarification. So I'll go to Mr. Jones and then oh, uh, Mr. Not really Jackson. clarification. There, there are many different ways to characterize what's going on here, different ways to characterize the policies that support what state law allows. I think Mr. Eckelberger is simply saying what I would say, which is in providing localities the ability to do this, what they call it is a commission. That's the word that appears in the statute, and so that's the way, that's the reason it appears that way up there. Policies behind it, the effects it has, those are all things uh, that are for y'all to discuss. But just in terms of terminology, it calls it a commission. Okay. Thank you. Mr. Jones? I, I just want to look at this from a top-level standpoint. You know, if the greater concern, if the greatest concern was the impact of local businesses, then why pass the meal tax? One, 
Uh, second piece, just basic primary color, red. That means monies are coming from somewhere, and that's going to leave a hole somewhere. When, and this is this, and I'm sorry if I look at it along these lines. I begin to look at okay, how many streets could that pave on the south side? Um, how many neighborhoods could that impact? What other services could we provide more efficiently? Um, as I look at a number that large, there is a cost of doing business. And again, if if the greater concern was how it impacts local businesses, then we shouldn't have passed the meals tax because that is a key indicator uh, for them. Um, you know, and, and, and again, I'm, I met with some folk from the restaurant side, and you know, they're looking at it as a way of concession. Well, you took this, can we get this? And I just, you know concessions aren't necessarily the right thing. I, and so, again, when I look at numbers this large, what could be done on the south side where there are needs? Um, what fees could be reduced for citizens? Because we're talking about taxpayer dollars going to fund this. Because, again, net-net, there's going to be a hole somewhere. And so how do we fill that hole, either with net new dollars revenue side or with making more cuts to our current budget? Um, and so that, that's, that's, that's my, uh, that's, those are my two cents, if you will. Okay. There were no um, um, other um, sources offered to um, plug this hole for this set of incentives that I'm aware of. So... Yes, it would create a um, would create a hole. But as I hear it, um, yes, it would. Council, any other questions or comments? The so only hole, the the only revenue that I think you could really rely on to to plug this is truly the delinquencies. If this can actually get people to pay on time and not create delinquent accounts. It's revenue that the city expects, but we're also making accommodation in our budget for a certain percentage of delinquent accounts. If, if the budget staff could tell us how much they are budgeting for delinquent accounts for the meals tax portion, and if they're willing to see this as a way of an incentive to, to address that, I think there could, in fact, be revenues. Okay. And I don't know that our staff has looked at that. Okay. So can we look at that in conjunction with the administration? Okay. That, that estimate would probably have to come from the administration. Well, I was but say in conjunction with the administration. Okay. Okay. Mr. Wack is coming forward. Lenore Reed, DCAO of Finance and Administration. Um, my comments in regards to that is we can look at that. However, we have to realize delinquencies, you only can collect that one time. So that's not going to be a reoccurring source of revenue. In addition to that, for delinquencies, we actually impose 
uh, penalty and interest. And so that penalty and interest would go away as well. And so that's gonna, that would have to be something that, stu- that would have to be studied and trended over a period of time. It's not going to be an answer by Monday or in the next week or so uh, because hopefully if we did uh, institute a program like this, it would create some efficiencies. But looking at the delinquency rate that we have now, we do impose penalty and interest on that delinquency. Um, and so that would be funding that would be lost as well. And um, in addition to the penalty and interest, uh, we'll have the one-time hit uh, for that. So we want to consider that uh, as well. And how long did you say it would take to do such a projection? Uh, For that projection, we would have to trend that. We would actually have to see the efficiencies uh, of a program like that would actually take. We can tell you. Uh, now what our um, delinquency is, but collecting on those delinquencies over a period of time, it's been a challenge. Even with the amnesty program, uh, we saw that challenge, and some accounts remain delinquent. Uh, With delinquent accounts, it would be one time if we did, Mm -hmm. if we could incentivize individuals to pay on time, then we would remove the delinquency, but with that delinquency, we also remove the revenue we receive from penalty and interest. Yeah. Thank you. Mr. Wack, and then I'll go to Ms. Scott. Yeah, I would just note on our general ledger, we have not been tracking payments received after the 20th of the following month from from on-time payments, so, yeah, we wouldn't, in short order, be able to do any any type of calculation. This would be a new program where we would see does this, does offering a commission... And change taxpayer behavior to pay to pay on time, but again, we would lose uh, penalty and interest from those that that have been paying paying late. Okay. Ms. Gray, so why why would we lose penalties and interest? Because on our late accounts, we actually impose penalty and interest if. Uh, individuals pay on time, they do not pay the penalty and interest. And so if their account is delinquent, when they pay the amount of the tax, let's just say $100, and we impose penalty and interest of $10, then they have to pay $110 when we actually collect those revenues. If we incentivize individuals to pay on time, which we should and we want to, because it's better to have the revenue in hand, but we would also lose the penalty and interest that's actually imposed now, which is also part of our revenue projections based on the current amount of delinquencies. But are those penalties and interest not linked to the cost of additional contacts and collection efforts? The penalty and interest is just the amount that's imposed for late payments. And a system that we have currently uh, does not, well, we would have to actually put someone in place to actually monitor which accounts are paid by the 10th or the 20th of the month and which ones um, are paid after that. Now the system will do that and impose that penalty and interest. I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad program. I'm saying the way that our budget projections that we have now actually are, are pro- the revenue is projected based on the revenue that we'll receive and we're looking to receive all of what we impose in mills taxes without the commission and then on top of that uh, for those accounts that are already delinquent we actually um, impose the penalty and interest and that's also part of our revenue projections. 
But that would remain. So That's correct. If someone didn't take advantage of the early payment and they accrued penalties and interest, it would still That's correct. remain they, on the books. That is correct. That is correct. So I'm, not, I'm really not understanding the logic. But beyond that, do we have a calculation on how much money is in the current budget for businesses who've come to us with performance-related um, incentives, and we're paying out for job creation and business incentives? That would have to come through um, economic development um, through the non-departmental. Um, if you like, I can ask um, economic development to come to answer that question well, for you. Would it just be fair to say that it's more than a couple of million dollars each budget cycle? And while someone's coming forward, Ms. Reed, is it not possible to do a snapshot? Um, bills were due by when of this month. Could we, um, is it, I hear that it would be a challenge to do a trend. Would we, just a snapshot in terms, to get some sense of. Absolutely, we could do that. And the reason I say it would be uh, a longer period of time to look at the trend as far as the change in behavior for individuals paying Mm -hmm. late. But as far as the snapshot in time, yes, ma'am, we could do that for you. By? We could do that for you by tomorrow. Okay. Lee Downey, DCA for Economic and Community Development. Uh, I believe the question was the total for grants that are going out for economic development grants. I can I can give you that exact number. I don't have it at the moment, but take me two minutes to get the chart. But it, right now, it's I believe it's right around a, a couple of million. But then the last payment to Philip Morris is in this budget, and it drops almost fifty percent, somewhere in that range. But so it's a little over a million dollars. There are several that were given to individuals and ballparks of a couple of hundred thousand dollars that never delivered, that have yet to deliver one job. So, I mean, my point, and I'm not trying to pick apart what you do right now, but my point is, if we are, if that program exists to create a climate that's conducive to attract businesses, and we're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars and not producing in some instances, any of the results that people have promised, and, and they're still driving around the city in their new cars. Um, I, I don't understand why we wouldn't want to provide a system in which our businesses, I mean, for if we do a comparison... The business tax is a dollar thirty-six for every hundred dollar for every. The B poll, it's thirty-six cents. Henrico, it's twenty cents, and I'm not sure what it is in Chesterfield. But Henrico, just about a month ago, increased the threshold before any of those taxes are due to three hundred thousand. Ours is on the very first dollar. 
So I'm just, our real estate taxes are much higher. I'm just making a point that if we want to create an environment where we're attracting businesses and we're making it possible for them to stay afloat, wouldn't this be one of the things that can assist with that? I mean, that is the reasoning behind why Hemrico implemented this rebate. I, I can't speak to the rationale of when Henrico implemented again. They were in a very different situation where they needed uh, voter approval on, on a referendum. Um, if, you're, if the general question is if we lowered our business license rates, if we gave a seller's commission, if we did other things to reduce revenues, would that be viewed favorably by the business community? Yes. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, uh, when, I guess when I presented the finance budget, our, our two focus areas are to maximize revenue collections and uh, accurate and timely financial reporting. And with the, the goal to maximize revenues, the more general fund revenues we have on a recurring basis, that, that will increase the city's debt capacity. So this is a measure that, that would decrease our debt capacity. And, and I would just challenge that to say there are points of diminishing returns that we can tax people to the point that they find alternative ways to conduct their business or alternative localities. I hear you. So you had one last thing you were going to share with us, Ms. Um, If there was a question about um, what what is the dollar impact of a 3% seller's commission, it it is the $1.4 million. So that that ties to um, the gross amounts budgeted for the 6% tax levy and the 1.5%. If all taxpayers took advantage of it, that would reduce those revenues by 3%. Thank you. So I, I, I would can't speak because we've not taken consensus, but I think most of us, now that I understand it's not to offset any burden to the business but to provide incentives, I think we are a foodie town. That's what's making us really popular. And to the extent we can um, look at what well, we are. Foodie town is not the correct language. We have been written up. I'm Ms. Robertson when, uh, I'm sorry, if that's not the correct terminology. I use it in the most positive of ways. Um, and so figuring out how to incentivize um, seems like a, um, an appropriate strategy. The amounts, the numbers, um, I would raise question, and certainly anything that would uh, even begin to diminish what's available for schools. And so what I would ask, we have to come back. Um, Ms. Reed has indicated she can give us a snapshot um, by tomorrow. We have to come back. Uh, relative to the vehicle license fee uh, anyway on Monday that we uh, simply get the additional information uh, and then decision on both of those items then because I'd really like to see what um, uh, what those numbers look like and maybe there's more of an incentive than 1.5 or 3. I don't know, um, but I certainly am open to looking at an opportunity that's now I'm clear is not a seller's commission, as that would be linked to um, uh, what it, their actual costs are. So that would be my proposal. We get the additional information from Ms. Reed. Um, we have one more item we have to decision on in terms of revenue that we have to get come back to the table um, with Mr. Jackson. And so if you would be amenable... Um, to that, then we will get that information, opine on Monday, 
and proceed. Anyone, any concern about that? Okay. Uh, Ms. Brown, Ms. Gray has a text amendment. And so I want to be clear, this, we will, on Monday we have a budget session, both items. We will be prepared to decision on item, I guess it's still like, well, item, well, on my sheet, I should say, uh, let me just, the vehicle license fee and this proposed uh, reduction in meals tax revenue to provide an incentive for businesses. Uh, we'll come back to the, we'll, we're meeting on Monday anyway for the other, so we'll just come back to both. And Ms. Reed will get us, we'll have a snapshot prepared uh, at that point. So, Ms. Gray, text message. Text, Thank text amendment. Thank you. Text, <laughs> amendment. <laughs> text message. Okay. Um, so, after consulting with staff, um, if I do a text amendment, it would require uh, that the mayor come back with a budget amendment if um, all the funds, if additional or outside funds were identified for um, the Abner Clay Park project. Um, We are, well, the administration is in the process of um, applying for grant funding, so I would like to have the opportunity to divide the amount that's allocated between the two projects as two separate lines uh, to add half of it for Abner Clay Park and the other half for Scott's edition. Okay, so the grant possibility you mentioned. We won't know for months, so. Didn't want to do and or, so it allows you so, the flexibility or what does that do? Um, I think that um, it would be still, if there were remaining funds left over, we would have the opportunity okay. in next year's budget to to shift those funds to another project, but I'd like to um, separate the funds into two lines, one for Abner Clay Park for half the amount and the other for Scott's addition, if that's agreeable. Any questions, concerns? Ms. Brown, if you would make that uh, change. With that, we have um, concluded our discussion of revenue. We will, um, at this point, uh, yes. I just want clarity on one item that we discussed early on, and that was the certification um, of what the assessor um, put together. And is that for our staff or administration or both? I'm not sure who can answer my question. So we'll get started (laughs) with Ms. Brown, and then we'll proceed. Basically, the assessor estimated about 2.6, correct? And the mayor certified 2.1. That's correct. Okay, so... 2.13, yeah. So is there still a half million outstanding, or did the administration say that that was... Are discussions still ongoing, or or is that all that's going to be certified? I was unclear on that part. I resent the most recent numbers we received from the assessor to Mr. Wack and the finance department, again, um, asking if the 2.1 was based on those numbers. That, the that we got yesterday. That we got yesterday. Um, I have not 
actually received a response back on that. Okay, because I know, I, I didn't know if all this sort of passed each other, because we got your letter at 9.30 last night, which I appreciate you working late. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Um, I did respond to Ms. Brown. So, yes, these, these numbers, the $2.13 million and the $4.65 million for 2020, are based on the new numbers from the assessor when we revisited the entire um, real estate tax calculation model, taking into account uh, rehab credits, tax relief, and so forth. So that uh, there is no additional information pending unless the assessor changes his forecast from what was provided yesterday. Okay. So this is based on his most recent letter that he sent us. Correct. Uh, the, the letter I received yesterday didn't, I don't believe, mention 2020. And, um, and I don't, I, I'm assuming the numbers he's provided for 2020 assumes the, the additional staffing will be added to his budget in 2018. So, I mean, in 2019. So, I, yeah, I, I do think that if, if we are able to add some appraisers to the, the assessor's budget in 19, that, that will help uh, our taxable assessed values in 2020. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So, Ms. Brown, um, we have concluded revenue. Yes. Review. And so for Monday, um, and I was just updating the president, we will be coming back to the table on Monday. Anyway, we have to hear from Mr. Jackson relative to the vehicle license fee. And Ms. Reed has agreed to give us a snapshot, and so we'll have that information, and we'll take up those two items and go to the next uh, category for us would be? Uh, once we finish those items, those two items on Monday, then we would go to uh, reductions um, okay. or revisit increases to see if any of the increases, depending on how council wants to go about doing it. But um, so as of right now, again, um, up on the screen is where we currently stand. And fiscal year 19 is currently out of balance by approximately 400000 And fiscal year 20 is to the good by $2.1 million. Thank you. Mr. Wack. As a point of clarification, I, I'm not unclear what, what is being asked from the finance department um, in anticipation of Monday? So we were talking about business um, remittances and those who remitted late in the additional fee. We said to go back and do a trend to get some idea of what that amount was in uh, delinquent uh, uh, late fees and penalties. Um, I don't believe we could provide something useful in that manner. Uh, we, again, we don't track on our general ledger the difference the different current versus delinquent in terms of meals taxes. Um, so if, if we wanted to look at trends, that would, that would be moving forward. So if we were Not to trends. Ourselves. That's why I said a snapshot, okay. clearly. So for this month or whichever, have we passed the due date for taxes for this month? Taxes are due on the 20th of each subsequent month. Um, okay, so so there for, are three point four million dollars in delinquent real estate taxes as of January thirty first. Okay, that that's changes all month I was month. asking yeah. for the a snapshot of the most recent, so we could have that information uh, as we're looking at. And you heard the discussion trying to provide incentives for businesses that would pay promptly or on time. I guess mm -hmm. it would be. But we couldn't provide it. Like I said, I don't think we could provide anything that would be helpful in an analytical nature other than to tell you how much was delinquent at month end. So you're seeking a more recent number than the January 31st number? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. We can get that to you. 
Um, and I, I also had to just one one point of clarification: if the one point two million is being considered next week, that would have to be certified by the mayor, would it not? It would not. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. With that, um, we are at two twenty-five, and after Ms. Trammell, we will um, and. Uh, we will um, agree we will return to session on Monday. Uh, we'll conclude the last two items. We'll have information again from Mr. Jackson, and um, we will then go forward uh, from there. Ms. Trammell. Thank you. I got a, um, a text earlier from a parent, and um, the pre-K school over there at Summer Hill it needs a boiler. One of them's been shut down. It only has one, and that's very critical. And I don't want to see it get shut down. I, want, I don't want to see the school get shut down. So, and schools have. We need to get that information to schools so that they, out of their um, maintenance and repair funds, they have somewhere between twelve and a half and thirteen and a half million dollars today. That's what we today. And so that needs to go directly to them for so that can get addressed. Okay, so the parent is very she don't want to see the school get shut down. So you're saying that it's a hundred it's over a hundred thousand dollars, I'm quite sure. Right. They, so we we have you can make that recommendation that they I th- how do we do I think okay. I know so, that's what I'm saying. I know I can't either. Right. Know that. We can convey that to the superintendent um, and uh, acts that that would be addressed as soon as, but you know we don't. I know. I yeah. Know. So I would say we we would give that immediately to the superintendent and acts if that can be addressed, so the school will not be in jeopardy of closing or shutting down. All right. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. With that, there are no other items, Mr. President, for the good of the order. Do, can we stand adjourned until Monday? I'm, I'm good. Thank you. I did. Why in the heck did I drive back over here?